Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. unbelievable i think we even came on early this week that's the first by the way <laughs> forget late coming on a minute early yeah we're antsy it's gonna be some angry listeners out there i yeah. think about that they're pouring a beer already yeah they know that they can take like a last pee and pour a last beer and anything you got to do because we're never on time <laughs> i have to pee now too <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that they're like five after we can go for it no big deal Sorry, guys. It's okay. I've, now that I started working for this other radio station in San Francisco, I'm all into watching the clock and timing everything as good as I can get it, mm-hmm. which is not going to work out to our benefit, I don't think. No. I thought it would. I, I was thinking, oh, this is a good thing, but uh, judging by the fact that I just came in a minute early and I still have to pee, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be a good thing. It's good for you. Keeps us on time, yeah. I guess. You Bad know, for me. People, people are going to have to readjust to the Brewing Network. Yeah. The new, improved, on-time brewing network. Responsible. Yeah. Hey, bringing you a more responsible broadcast each week. How about that? I like that. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we missed the Thanksgiving uh, weekend because we were all, I was out of the country as, uh, with Daniela and, and you were with the fam. Mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, what to do. Without a show? On Sunday. It was strange yeah. spending a Sunday. Uh, Danielle and I thought the same thing. It didn't really feel like a Sunday. Yeah. You I, know? I kind of just stared at my wall for a little bit. It's like, <laughs> whoa. Five o'clock came around yeah, and like, you just looked at the carpet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or licked carpet, whatever you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was... It, I, I drank a lot of beer just to kind of make up for it is what I did for the Sunday. I, I kind of hung around. I, I lurked in the forum. I, I looked around things in the forum because it just didn't – I couldn't leave it alone. I could not be completely away from the BN for that long. So I, I had to kind of poke around and see what was doing. And yeah. I was hoping that people were going to post like, oh, I miss you guys today. But Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, yeah, good. <laughs> Vacation. At least the wives were happy anyway. Our numbers dive too. Yeah, true. Uh, Doc this week is not with us. He is with his family uh, and, and, and his coworkers. He has to do a Christmas party for the practice this week. Is that week. tonight? It's tonight. Okay. That's why he couldn't do the show. Uh, his his wife forced him to throw a party for his coworkers. He wanted to tell him to piss off. He's like, hey, I'm busy, man. I, Sundays are covered. Yeah, he's hardcore. But uh, oh, his wife wouldn't let him do it. So, uh, Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Anyway. That was uh, That was tasty. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, no doc this week. But what we do have, uh, let me let me give you a little rundown of today's show, like I like to do in the beginning, because mm-hmm. that's where you do things like that. Uh, this week is another mass show, and uh, not just a, any other mass show, but we really want to kind of clarify some things that we've done in the past. There's a lot. A lot to cover. John's uh, given me three pages of research or so. From and, one book. Uh, this is from one book. Yeah. Um, but basically what we're going to try to do is uh, narrow it down to, uh, again, the different types of mash you can use, and then talk about mash times and mash temperatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person we've got to help us do that this week is Eric Watson of Titletown Brewing Company. And he has a lot of experience. He is uh, – I have his resume and um, – Three-page resume. It's a big one. He's been brewing for quite a while. He's got a, he's got a good amount of education. We're going to talk to him uh, about those things. He's taken classes – both at the Siebel Institute of Tech and from, um, Danielle, help me out, Von Heinstefan. Von Stefan. Thank you, mm-hmm. Von Stefan. Uh, he's taking classes there as well, just like uh, Dan Gordon, our guest from a few weeks ago. So he's got a lot of knowledge to give out, and we're, he's going to help us talk about mashing. I'll give you a heads up right now. He does a 15-minute mash, and that's it, and that's it. What volume? I can't wait to talk to the guy. Yeah, that's we're going to talk to him about that. That's going to be a good discussion. So get your questions ready about that. Of course, the phone number here is 888-401-BEER. Feel free to call us anytime. We'll answer the phone. We may not talk to you, but uh, Daniela will. She'll answer the phone. And uh, Now, call us up. Let us know what you want to hear and, and get your questions ready uh, uh, in regards to mashing. You extract brewers, fear not, because I'm an extract brewer as well, and I will try to adapt the conversation a- as well as I can mm-hmm. to probably mini-mash, which is a, a good way to go from extract. Uh, so we're not neglecting you folks who aren't all grain. Uh, all grain is not the holy grail around here, as uh, is a common mistake. Conception. The good news about doing a mini mash mm-hmm. is you can just add five more pounds of grain and do a five gallon all grain. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if you want to go all grain, add more grain. You could do it. Yeah. I might give it a go just with my little bucket. Just need two buckets, man. I got the mash jacket now. Uh, Doc gave me this. It's uh, basically just an insulated jacket. It looks like a big winter coat, but it's for your bucket. And you put it right over the top of the mash. It's called a mash jacket, and it's supposed to keep that temperature, you know, right where you where you put it. It's like a baby sleeping bag. It is. It's like a little mash sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. little, little sleeping mash in there. I take care of those little my grains. Little, my little grains. <laughs> I like those guys. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, do not uh, be be discouraged if you're an extract brewer. There's going to be plenty of info for you on this show. Also, just want to say that I've seen some comments. The reason I'm pointing that out is, uh, you know, people wonder about this. You know, uh, all we talk about is all grain, and it's this holy grail of of brewing. And I think the past couple weeks we've tried to dispel that rumor that uh, you don't have to be uh, that advanced. You don't have to have had that much equipment here. Um, you know, because I'm an idiot and uh, and I don't do any of that stuff. You're so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just want to make sure you all know that the show's for everybody. Mm-hmm. Our podcasts are officially uh, being podcasted. Yeah. Now, uh, I actually I actually posted it on our site. Uh, I had been running just sort of tests for a few weeks, and it's a good thing I did that, John. I'll tell you because about two weeks ago, just before we went away, the whole thing crashed, and and all these people who had signed up for subscriptions weren't getting updated oh no uh but it our fault or their fault it was uh i think through the the person who who posts it fault or itunes fault they needed there was one piece of information missing all of a sudden although it had worked up till that point and then one day that piece of information went missing it's something about like i didn't um 
some code or something? Or? I didn't put in what our category was. I, I, I put undecided or something because I'm often undecided about several things and I couldn't figure out which we fit under because we, we weren't just talk and we weren't just hobbies and we weren't just comedy and we – you know what I mean? Yeah, the categorizing. So uh, I contacted the guy who runs it for us and he got right on it, fixed it right away. Nice. And once that happened and I felt that the bugs were worked out, I actually posted it on our site now. Well, there's and, a good uh, comment in the forum. Like, thank you for our podcast. They love it. There so. you go. I got uh, news today from uh, um, one of our Australian listeners that uh, lots of Australians love the podcast, too, because, um, you know, obviously the time difference. It's like 11 a.m. when mm-hmm. we do the show over there. So We've seen a lot of them, uh, too, from there, from yeah. Australia. But they are our second biggest yeah. um, um, country as far as listenership. Yeah. Right, just just behind the United States. So That's great. Yeah, it's been cool. So podcasts are now available. If you haven't checked out the front page, do so, and you can subscribe right there. Mm-hmm. Uh all right. I think I think uh, that about covers it for new news. Although I will tell you this: uh, next week we're going to do all our revelations for the new year. Our revelations. Yeah, I haven't even told you that. I no, don't think yet, no. John. I'm well, excited. here's what I figure: I want two weeks to to let people know in case people aren't tuned in next week. They got another week to hear about it. But we're going to reveal everything, all our week? surprises. Oh, geez. Next week. The, f- the f- first four months worth, you mean? Or mm, two months? The first two months okay. worth. Yeah, we're going to do the first two months okay. worth. Now so there's more that. coming next There's year. more coming even after that. Another but, revolution. But uh, we've got big plans just for January uh, as far as content and uh, uh, things that are kind of going on here, things you're going to see, things you're going to get to do. You're going to receive. Yes. Uh, so we're going to reveal all of that next week on the Sunday show. You're not going to want to miss it. Perfect. Why not with Charlie? Yeah, exactly. That's what I figure. Uh, Charlie Papazian, the godfather of homebrew. Although Jamil is uh, creeping right up on his... He's uh, like Pope status here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard that as well. I, I don't know Man what that... Man candy. <laughs> what that rumor is. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, getting a note now about the newsletter. Uh, newsletter. Did, did you send one? I did not. I, I didn't get one either. I haven't sent a newsletter. <laughs> have complaints here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've not sent a newsletter in three weeks. Uh, although I have this big sign on the front page that says please sign up for our newsletter yeah. and then I don't <laughs> for 2006 I don't send one uh, here's my excuse um, uh, hard at work on these new revelations uh, with the Brug Network and I'm not joking about that actually I have uh, I can't tell you how many hours I've logged in the last couple weeks uh, getting that ready and I I remember I didn't remember the newsletter even until today nice. I was like oh man all the stuff I've been doing you didn't even send out the newsletter sorry about that guys next, I'll, next week I'll send it next week yeah. And then you'll keep getting the newsletter even when we're off for vacation. Nice. I'll keep sending that because uh, I'm going to want to keep you guys notified of what's coming. What are we going to do for uh, Airplay for the holidays? Have you thought of anything? Uh, I do have a couple of ideas. Mostly, uh, for, for the most part, I'm going to be running our archives back-to-back okay. 24 hours a day. Okay. There's talk of something going on on New Year's, like yeah. a New Year's Eve thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'll be quite honest. I don't know if I want to spend New Year's Eve with you guys. <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Uh, but I, but I might because I often don't like to leave the house on New Year's Eve or or any other day of the week for that matter. <laughs> so sorry, uh, <laughs> it's okay. I hate New Year's Eve too. We might have some sort of of New Year, but it's it's hard to do because you you want to get drunk and silly. I don't want to have to pay attention too much <laughs> archive stuff. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. But if, if if nothing for New Year's Eve, definitely we will be um, running the archives back-to-back all through the holiday season. But I think right beginning, you know, January 1st, we might be starting our, our new stuff. Nice. So January okay. 1st might be a new schedule. Okay. Um, 
I'll let you guys know next well, week. Well, the Jamil show has already been told. So mm-hmm. and the Jamil fun. show, yeah, that's one of the things. And um, yeah, by the way, uh, Jamil's new name is Saint Jamil. Yes, yeah, <laughs> according to the uh, to the chat room but and he, the forum. But he needs to die though. Yeah, in order to become Saint <laughs> Jamil, you're right. You're right. Now he's just like good words Jamil or whatever they call the guy. You should fall into a boil kettle. <laughs> if he's going to go, that's the way you should Or be go. fermented alive. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right, there you have it. Um, that's the new stuff. We'll be announcing all that next week. Okay? Everybody's happy? I'm happy. Oh, my God! You've got mail. Kick ass. We didn't receive too much feedback over the break as far as things readable on the air. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that I received a bunch of, uh, you know, like, cussing <laughs> insults. Uh, although you guys know I would have loved that. Yeah, you would. I would I'd be reading that right now. Uh, but kind of just uh, a lot of new users who haven't listened live um, found us in the podcast, so I've got a lot of thanks for that and a lot of uh, good work. And this particular, uh, the one feedback letter that I am going to read uh, that came through is kind of a rehash of something we've talked about before, and um, I, I'm just going to update the topic. But uh, the guy says, hey, guys, just found your site and downloaded a bunch of archives to listen in the car. Uh, really entertaining show. Keep it up. Uh, but I had a question about the MP3s. Is it possible to split them up into different files when you post them, like every 10 minutes or something? Because his car MP3 player chokes on the single 180-minute file. Hmm. Um, so we've talked about this before. A lot of our listeners want to keep the one big file yeah. because it's easier to download because you just click it and you forget about it. Unless you're a dial-up user, and then you want the separated There's file. The... See what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm working on is a bookmarked file that kind of accommodates both. I think it's going to stay one big downloadable file. But you can bookmark the archive. But then when you put it to your MP3 player... Your MP3 player will have set bookmarks to it. So, for example, if you have a half an hour drive to work and you listen to a half an hour of the show, instead of having to fast forward back to where you left off, there should be a bookmark there. Because, hey, that would drive me nuts, guys. I'm with you. If I was listening to that MP3 in my car and I had to fast forward every time I got back in my car, I'd be pissed. Like a cassette tape. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm working on that. But my software is not cooperating with my idea. So I have to get that going. Uh, I know that there is a posting in the forum right now that tells you how to do it yourself. There's there's a way you can do it in iTunes that'll bookmark it for you. Mm-hmm. But people kind of want me to do it all for them. Because, <laughs> you know, why bother? They just want to download it and go. Sure. And I, I'm fine with that. I don't blame anybody. You don't want to have to work for that stuff. So I'm trying to find a solution for everybody. I'm not, I don't just want to split up the file and download because some people don't want that. Yeah. So let me work on it. That could be one of the things I change for January. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the whole archive page is going to be different for January because we're going to have new archives, uh, like the Jamil show, for example. Yeah, nice. So when I change that, I'm going to work on on, on this issue. Yeah. So that's from uh, George and uh, George. There you go. Uh, just know Thanks, that George. I'm know that I'm working on it. That's awesome. All right. Um, and that's that's pretty much it for the feedback this week. You know, the other stuff was just keep up the good work kind of stuff. Yeah, people like this and keep the good beer info going. You know. I've been listening to um, oh, there's new names for Jamil. Oh, no. Cardinal Jamil of Walnut Grove. Although oh. it's Walnut Creek, isn't it? Elk oh, Grove. no. He, El- Elk, Elk, Elk Grove. Grove. That's where he lives. Cardinal, Cardinal Jamil. Is Jamil in the chat room? No, also? he's not. Father Saint Chef. We need to have an outfit for him when he comes in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. Like a red, like, silk. The pontiff outfit. <laughs> Father Z. Oh, I like that. My favorite. 
<laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Sister Jamil. Sister Jamil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's probably laughing right now. Now, did he send you? A, a, as far as I understand, he's like planned out the whole year of shows I haven't already. Had to do a thing. Uh, but he, did he send you the he, copy he of that? He's got the whole outline for 16 minutes by minute. At each minute, what he's going to talk about? Does he really? For already for the first show. Wow. He's got the all the shows booked for 2006, yeah, and he's got it open for 2007 through 2008. Already, the style is figured out. That's Jamil for you, man. Yeah, thank you, Jamil. Saved <laughs> a lot of hours there. Yeah, nice work. Yeah, well, he's serious. Now. He's going to you know deliver some good information. Yeah, that's good. Gonna it's going to be a it's going to be a good show. If you hadn't heard that last week, I'll be running promos for it uh, during the show. But but basically, it's going to be coming. Actually, we didn't announce when it was. It's still roughly. It's coming Mondays. Yeah. Um, it's definitely coming Mondays, and we think it's going to be coming Monday mornings, Pacific like time, like uh, nine or ten a.m. Right. Monday mornings. Yeah, so tentatively that's where it's at. But we'll keep you notified. And what it is is it's a uh, it's partly a, a get as much information out of Jamil as you can show, mm-hmm. and partly a style show. He's going to base each show on a beer style, mm-hmm. and and start off with that, and then let you guys take it wherever you want it to go. So uh, it's going to be a one hour show. Every Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday. And we're going to keep it down to an hour. No, I'm sorry. Every other Monday. That's right. He's not sure he can, uh, you know, put that much time in. Although I think he's going to love it. And a couple months into it, he might get, he might do it every Monday. Yeah. Well, Well, we might want to do bi-weekly so it can last longer. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of information for him to cover. So, uh, there you go. The new Jamil show will be coming. Uh, the chat room agrees that bookmarks are the good solution for the podcast. By the way, I just got that note. So. I'm trying. I'm not a podcaster. You know, you're doing a great job. You got it up. <laughs> what can well I done. do? Uh, you know, I I did uh, a semi interview with Zymergy Magazine. They 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 contacted us and they were doing uh, an article on new media for brewing, and one of those things was podcasting. And I even talked to Jim Parker. I think his name is uh, the editor. Yeah, Jim Parker. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I spoke to him when I was in Oregon. And everybody, when when I mention what we do, instantly go, "Oh, you're those, you're the podcast guys. You do those podcasts." And I kind of don't like that because we're not really the podcast guys. We're the only, uh, we're an actual station that's streaming content all the time. You can right. always tune into something. It's not always beer related, right. um, but it, you can always tune into something. And we're actually a streaming radio station. Yeah. Look different. at me, I'm all offended about what yeah, they call okay. us. I got <laughs> I got to stand up for it, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, my point is, I didn't start this thing to be a podcaster. I'm not a podcaster. I've been dealing with streaming content long before there were podcasts ever invented, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had to catch up with this with this trend because everyone's into the podcast, and that's why I don't know how to do the bookmark junk. And, and that's okay. why my software doesn't know how to do it either because it's dumb like me. Well, you have to learn. I mean, you're teaching yourself this stuff. I mean, yeah, i got to catch up. So I'm working on it. I will do that do for fine. you. Okay. How about some news? Yeah, let's do it. I got a few good stories. Uh, one short, and this isn't really a news story. Uh, well, cause it's not new. They, this, whatever newspaper posted it as news, but I'm just gonna mention it cause I thought it was interesting. I'm sure we've all heard of it. The Utopias beer, yeah, Sam the, Adams. The high, high gravity beers. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, they, they tout it as the highest alcohol content in the world. It's 25% alcohol by volume. Wow. Um, it's a hundred. How do they do that? I don't have it in. A, in I'd have to. I didn't convert it. I should have done that. When it's a hundred and twenty pounds a bottle. Hundred and twenty pounds. Oh, the cost, which is roughly seventy dollars a bottle. Jeez. Um, how many ounces? I don't know. I'm not sure. Twelve ounces. You're done. Let's see. You know. 
Oliver Hughes, managing director of Porterhouse Brewing Company, says it sounds pricey, but the brew is meant to be consumed in two-ounce servings, like a port or dessert wine. And it's not carbonated also. It's a flat. It's supposed to be served warm. It's flat and it's syrupy. But it is a beer. Brewed by Sam Adams. They released only 8,000 of the kettle-shaped bottles, which are designed to resemble copper brewing kettles used by brewmasters for centuries. So... I don't know. It says the beer, uh, which is said to have a warm, sweet flavor, richly highlighted with hints of vanilla, oak, and caramel, is not carbonated and should be served at room temperature. I wonder if they add uh, alcohol back to it or if they distill anything. You mean after they brew it? Yeah, because I don't know. How do you get such a high-gravity beer that high? It's a good let alone, question. Let alone nail yeast that can survive that. I'd like to talk to him about it and get a whole, get our hands on a, on one of those beers. We should have a utopia show. So could, I mean, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we can get them to donate the yeah. thing or something. Um, yeah, there you go. All right, here's a good story. Hmm. Costco, which I'm pretty sure is nationwide in the U.S., and I've also seen them in Canada. So I think I saw them in Canada. I saw them in Canada. You did? Okay, mm-hmm. good. My best Christmas gift I got from my mom was a case of Gordon beers from Costco. From Costco. Yeah. All different kinds All of Gordon beers, yeah. Costco, if you don't know what it is, uh, like, for example, if they don't have it in Australia or, or Spain or wherever you're listening from, uh, it's just a giant wholesale store. And you got to be a member to shop there, but you don't really have to do anything to be a member anymore. You used to have to pay a pretty hefty fee and show that you're a, a business owner, but not anymore. Uh, now, now anybody can be. You still have to pay a little fee, but anybody can go. And and the good thing about the store is that you buy in bulk at a cheap price. And that's that's all they're about. There's it's a warehouse. There's nothing there's nothing flashy about it. And they just stack the things in aisles in the middle of the warehouse. It's just all over Houses. the place. Um, so that's the kind of the background of Costco. And what they're doing is suing for the right to buy wine and beer directly from out of state suppliers. Because in Washington, you're not allowed to do that. And they can't uh, keep to their buy in bulk and keep the price low because in Washington, you have to buy out-of-state beer and wine from a distributor. And here's what happens. The distributor sells it to the state of Washington and marks it up 10%. Or rather, it's a law that, that, that you have to do that. Say Acme Wine Company has to mark it up 10% when they sell it to the distributor. And then the distributor marks it up an additional 10%. When they sell it to whoever. And then the retailer marks, marks it up again. And the ten. So Costco is complaining that because they're not allowed to buy directly mm-hmm. from the makers of the wine and beer, that they can't they can't keep their their you know slogan of, of buy in bulk for cheap. So they're suing um, Washington state rules about distributing alcohol. Lawyers from the wholesale retailer on Thursday asked U.S. District Judge Mar- Martha. Marsha Peckman to let it and other stores buy directly from out-of-state wineries and brewers. Lawyers representing the state liquor control board warned the judge that doing so would dramatically increase alcohol consumption in Washington. God that's, forbid. That's, that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> people going to drink, they're going to drink. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess making it cheaper. Like our official tasting today, King Cobra, four eighty seven out the door <laughs> for two, right? Oh yeah, it's like two so two dollars <laughs> and something a bottle. Makes people drink more if it's cheaper. So the state of Washington is warning them, you know, that if the judge makes his pass, 
That's what's going to happen. The judge said she would rule in two weeks on whether or not to grant summary judgment or have the case proceed to trial in March. Costco's lawsuit filed early last year challenges Washington's scheme for distributing alcohol from other states. Under it, out-of-state wineries and breweries must sell to one of about 200 licensed distributors in Washington state at a markup of at least 10% above cost. The distributors then sell to retailers such as Costco at another 10% markup. Washington's 450 wineries and breweries, however, can sell directly to retailers at just a 10% minimum markup. Wow. Yeah. Costco, which is based in, I don't know how to pronounce it, Isakawa, Washington, argued that by uh, buying in bulk, striking deals directly with out-of-state wineries and using its own distribution system, it could offer beer and wine at better prices. Company lawyer David Berman told the AP... The state cannot justify forcing retailers to use a middleman at an automatic 20% markup, especially when state liquor stores aren't subject to the same restrictions and markups. See, the, so. the good thing about it is the wine companies or the beer companies, yeah. they're going to make more profit because then they cannot, they can take the profit back from the distribution companies. Sure. So why not? Why not do it? Open it up. Yeah. Um, so uh, of the many good things that I do know of of Washington yeah. State, Washington's got some good things going. Like, yeah. for example, no income tax. There's no income tax in the state of Washington. So we're moving next week? <laughs> yeah. Well, check this out. If you can live on a city in the – actually, I think Seattle's even on the border. Uh, my geography's pretty bad. But you can live – if you lived in Washington, which is right across the river, like a, just a bridge drive from Oregon, you can live in Washington and not have income tax, and you can do your shopping in Oregon because they don't have sales tax. She used to make out like a bandit. Yeah. I don't know how many stores even stay in business in Washington because I'd be driving over to, to Oregon. At least on the border, right? Of course, we need a job. Yeah. Uh, a little more locally, uh, the University of Berkeley, California, I, I read this, but I don't think I reported it, a few weeks ago had banned all alcohol and drinking in in, in sororities, um, which, you know, sororities are, are renowned for having parties of drinking, but they were actually going, they, they were threatening, the university was threatening to lock the doors of these fraternities and shut them down entirely if wow. they had any more alcohol parties because they were abusing them all the time. Right. And, uh, you know, which is, <laughs> go figure, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and letting minors change. drink and whatnot. So they put a ban on it for a while. Well, um, most of the fraternity and sorority members who go to school at UC Berkeley will now be able to drink beer and wine at parties again. University officials announced yesterday they were lifting a ban on most types of alcohol they had enacted in May after several wild parties. Don't. Wild? Yeah, I love that. What, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> they had nothing else to do. They're going to start making their own. We ought to have a homebrew party for these people. We should. Show them what's happening. Yeah. In ending the moratorium, school officials say fraternity and sorority leaders had made progress in self-regulating their parties. With lifting the ban, 46 of the university's fraternities and sororities that belong to either the Infraternity Council of the or the College of Phenelic Association will be able to serve beer and wine again. A ban will remain in effect on hard liquor, though, and for about 20 other fraternities who I guess didn't tighten their restrictions. Mm. So no booze, but uh, beer's okay, that which one, makes us happy, right? Yeah, sure. You More know? for us. What's what's a sorority party without a keg anyway? You know what I mean? Nothing. It's nothing. Might bingo. as well stay home and play checkers. Probably play bingo. Mm. <laughs> or kiss, spin the bottle. In Pennsylvania, they've list they've lifted a a long time ban on selling beer on Sundays. I like to hear this kind of thing. Mm. It bothers me about a lot of the eastern states, uh, my own included, Connecticut, uh, that you can't buy booze on Sunday. 
You just can't. Or on holidays. But Pennsylvania has lifted that ban. In fact, I think Trans was saying today he couldn't buy beer um, today, although it was his lazy fault. Um, they used to not sell it on Sundays at all. Now I think they can sell it up till noon or one or something. And he couldn't. He was saying that he was at home watching football and beer, and I said, oh, that sounds great. And he said, yeah, except that I'm on my last bottle of beer, and now the store's closed. Oh, no. You know, I couldn't survive in that sort of environment. I don't know. If I ran out of beer on a Sunday and couldn't go get oh more. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I feel <laughs> I like I was yeah. in some communist country. That would be so bad. Yeah, like, lock me up. I mean, what a ridiculous thing. Did you see her eyes? <laughs> Fear. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I'm afraid of. <laughs> if I couldn't buy beer, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Slavery. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, beer distributors in Pennsylvania are learning that consumers' habits are slow to change. Even though the state now allows Sunday afternoon beer sales, many customers haven't tapped into that extra day. Fridays and Saturdays are still big days at beer distributors, but Sunday is still a day both buyer and seller are trying to get used to. Uh, and, and basically people just aren't, uh, they don't know if they can go do it, I guess. They're used to, you know, going thirsty on Sundays. Tell you what, I'd be in line on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. at the local beer <laughs> store if, it, if or, I was in Pennsylvania. Or you go to Costco. It's hard to get used to when you're not used to it. When I go visit my folks back in Connecticut, you know, and I want to party on, on, on the weekend, I, I'm doing stuff all day Saturday, visiting friends, family, whatever. I don't plan to make it. You never plan to make a trip to the store in California. You do now, though. But out there, you got to plan for it. You got to go, okay, I'm going to see Grandma at 4. I got to be at the package store by 5. Didn't we run into this situation last year when we went to Connecticut for Christmas? I think we had a day where we were out of booze at all, and there was nothing to do with those stores. We we freaked out, both of us. What, we cannot sit with his family without booze. It's impossible. Go knock on the neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> that's think, what we did. <laughs> well, I think I think what we ended up doing is drinking some like eighteen-year-old bottle of horrible vodka that oh, was all dusty up in the yeah. cupboard. Why and, not? Uh, I and don't then, know why not. <laughs> and then we went to the friend's house. <laughs> it was just too bad. We drank at their house. That's great. I think you're a Nazi, baby. It's for you, Danielle. Thank you. you I forgot to play it when you first started talking. It's your official song. Thank you. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) There is now a Linux-powered keg refrigerator. Not going to read the whole story. Say that again. Linux-powered. Linux, okay. Yeah. Linux, Linux. Linux. I don't know what they say. Isn't that a software, too? It is. It's a software, and that's that's what powers the kegerator. Here's what happens. It basically says that uh, since the beginning, uh, you know, the first kegerator, the the age-old question has been, who the F drank my beer? Oh, someone was telling me about yeah. this. Okay, go ahead. And I have this problem at my house sometimes, too. For example... The John, brown ale. For example, John Plisse, uh I came home from Thanksgiving vacation <sighs> to an empty kegerator. I know. And Sam didn't drink it. I had... A half a pint and it blew on me. <laughs> yeah, right. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Sat over here for two days drinking Jamil's beer. It was Jamil's beer that was in there. Yeah. I knew it. And I came home and I'm like, oh yeah, let's grab a beer. I yeah. pulled the handle. <sighs> empty. And I, oh, I went to Sam, my roommate. Yeah. I'm like, Sam, you son of a, what did, did you? And he's like, what? I didn't touch it. I swear. And I was like, Sam, no one else lives here. And I didn't find out till the next day that you had been here. I, well, and then I cleaned I, up the desk yeah. and I had a pint of beer. That's all I had. I had to go apologize to Sam. I was like, <laughs> he's I'm a liar. Sorry for accusing you. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, this particular software, uh, will tell you not only the level of your beer keg, but you can give, uh, each of the people that you live with a password to access the beer keg. 
right? So you can't pour without a password, and it turns on and off the tap. And then once you enter your password, it will tell you how much that individual person has drank. You can set a limit to cut them off so that they can't pour anymore. And it will estimate their blood alcohol content on any given day. No way. Yeah. So if they had four pints on Friday night, you can go look up their blood alcohol content on that particular Friday night. See, that's a good tool. That's a great thing, right? <laughs> if you got roommates and people or, or kids sororities. who keep raiding your keg, I don't know, sororities, <laughs> you want to keep a hold of your beer, that might be the thing for you. Just do a search on Google for a Linux What's your keg limit? fridge. What's mine? Yeah. Like if I had the thing? <laughs> It's obviously unlimited. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, more importantly in the news this week is that scientists have finally quantified the beer goggles effect. Quantified the beer goggles. That's what right. The they now have a, a scientific measurement to, to establish how much the beer goggles affects any given viewer. And you know what the beer goggles is. You're, you're drinking out at a bar. And uh, it may be a little dark, and and uh, you find some woman, you know, because you've had a few, much more attractive than she actually is, and you don't realize that she's an ugly pig until you wake up with her the next day. Oh my God. That's beer goggles okay. for those of you who don't know. Um, researchers at the University of Manchester have discovered that the legendary beer goggles effect, by which previously monstrous members of the opposite sex have become strangely attractive after a skinful of lager, is not just down to the sheer volume of booze consumed. Light levels in the establishment in which the beer is being consumed, the beholder's eyesight, atmospheric smokiness, and proximity to the object of desire all play a part too. Accordingly, the research team formulated a beer goggle scale from 0 to 100 to measure the sinister effect as follows. Less than 1 would be no effect. You realize how ugly the person is that you're looking at. 1 to 50, the person you would normally find unattractive appears less visually offensive. 51 to 100, non-appealing person becomes suddenly attractive. More than 100, someone not considered attractive looks like a supermodel. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Efron, professor of Cincinnati optometry at the University of Manchester, told the BBC, for example, someone with normal vision who has consumed five pints of beer and views a person 1.5 meters away in a fairly smoky and poorly lit room will score about a 55, which means they would suffer from a moderate beer goggle effect. It's okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But they actually put all these factors into an equation, and now you can figure out how much it's working on you, which is good to know. You should be able to reference that as you're in the bar. When you look at somebody, you're like, wow, she's hot. You should be able to you know, calculate it all together and realize, there's no, she's not. There's going to be a beer, ca- beer goggle calculator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, pictures of booze can make you angry. And you're evidence of that. <laughs> yeah, just Me too, actually. So. Uh, let's see. According to research to be published in Psychological Science, uh, just looking at pictures of alcohol is enough to increase aggression. Researchers at the University of Missouri-Columbia ran experience on, uh, experiments on 246 college students. In one experiment, the guinea pigs were given a questionnaire to fill in, given the details of their views on alcohol, its effects on their own consumption levels. Some were then asked to look at alcohol advertising and others at promotions for other neutral items. All the participants then read a story about a conflict and were asked to judge how aggressive the protagonist was. The group that had been checked out drinking ads was much more likely to rate the character as aggressive than those who had been mulling over pictures of cheese, for example. The link was strongest in the group reported seeing a connection between drinking and aggression in the survey. 
In another test, 121 students were asked to look at a picture of either bottles of beer, weapons, or trees. Then they were shown a series of words either neutral, meaningless, or related to aggression. Again, those who had looked at beer bottles and weapons were quicker to pick out the aggressive words than those who had been staring at trees. trees. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, gotta watch out in the yeah, beer too much. in the beer advertising world, you know. There's <laughs> all these numbers now with beer. I know. I like yeah. that they quantify stuff, though. I like to know this. I want that Linux beer kegerator. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. keep you out of my beer. That's right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, coming up at the 6 o'clock hour, I hope some of you folks out there found the King Cobra, uh, because we got ourselves two fodies. Yeah, two fodies. And we're going to have ourselves two fodies of King Cobra in in a paper bag, of course. It must be wrapped in a paper bag. I asked the guy for an extra paper bag. Appreciate that. <laughs> so in our official palate tasting today, we will not be judging the color of the, of the fody, because we'll be drinking it out of a paper bag. Yeah. You won't see it. Yeah. But we will, just like any other beer, give it a proper evaluation and tasting and, and, and note what uh, flavors you find on your tongue. Yes, and if we're slurring at the end of the show, yeah, <laughs> you'll know why. It's <laughs> stuck in my head. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> Can I play that for you? Extensive files on the Nuremberg trials And you watch them whenever they're airing I guess I should have known when you bought a new bone for your puppies named Gerbils and Gary. <laughs> you showed up late to our very first date. I said, how are you? You said, white power. Call me paranoid, but I'm not overjoyed. Got it out there. Ask me if I want to shower. I think you're a Nazi. Don't be lying, baby. It's good, huh? <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh, Eric Watson from Titletown Brewing Company is going to be joining us at six o'clock, and uh, we got. I'm going to tell you all about Canada, our trip, and beers that I drank in Canada, and me too. Daniela also. <laughs> we will evaluate the beers for you and tell you what was good and what was not good. I'll tell you right now, the snow was not good. It's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. <laughs> Coming in January, the Brewing Network is proud to present the Beer Style Show. Hosted by the most award-winning home brewer ever, Jamil Zainashef. Each show will give you the best in understanding BJCP style guidelines. you got to honestly look at it, try it, you know, and evaluate it and say, no, it's, it's actually, you know... A, a better beer in this style. And that's again, goes to, you know, understand the BJCP uh, style guide. Competition advice. One of the things in competition that you have to do is you have to brew a good beer, a really good beer. So the bigger the, the, the competition, the, yeah. the better beer you have to brew as a base. Experienced homebrew tips. You know, one of the things about process, some of the, a lot of these beers, um, mash temp is a difference of just a few degrees one way or another, but it makes, uh, you know, a dramatically different beer. The science behind the process. What you want to pitch is one million cells per milliliter of wort per degree plate. And brewcaster John co-hosting is sure to keep Jamil on his toes. Yeah. I believe that you need temperatures to help grow you. I, I, think, yet, I think John... You can make even better beer. What's on, Jamil? The Beer Style Show with Jamil Zanishef and John Plisse. Coming to the Brewing Network in 2006. 
Stay tuned to www.thebrewingnetwork.com for details. You're listening to Three Guys. Excuse me, what about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to Three Guys and One Girl. Use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Yes, sir. We are back. You're tuned into the Brewing Network. It's our Sunday live show. We're here every Sunday. Got two more weeks of shows before we go on vacation. Next week is Charlie Papazian. The week after that... The Gadget Show. That's right. And uh, we've got some good giveaways already for the Gadget Show, so you're going to want to tune in for that. Uh company has donated some stuff. We're going to be evaluating their product uh, this week, I think, and we'll let you know about that. And then we'll be giving it away yeah. on the Gadget Show, which is two weeks from now. And we have local homebrewers coming in to talk. Yes, sir. And uh, about their gadgets. And Doc's quite the gadget guy himself. Yes, he is. So that's kind of his show. We're going to let him uh, re- really do his thing. Today, we've got Eric Watson of Titletown Brewing Company. He's going to call us in about 6 o'clock. Probably do the King Cobra tasting with us, I hope. <laughs> Hopefully, he was able to find it in his area, uh, in a paper bag, of course. And uh, we'll be doing that tasting just about 6 o'clock. Nice. And, uh, John, I believe I'm supposed to play this for you. Just for me? Yeah, from the chat room. Oh, thanks, guys. I wanted to make sure I did it. Okay. Hot nuts. That's right. Anybody here want to buy my nuts? Hot nuts. Hot nuts. I've got nuts for sale. Congratulations to Gucci, longtime listener and uh, friend of the show. He was promoted to major. Wow. Just got promoted to major. Very cool. That's hot nuts if I ever heard it right there. Yeah. (laughs) Now he has no more responsibility. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the military rankings, but I'm pretty sure that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like way up there. Yeah, my father's a major. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. So it means he's got lots of underlings to boss around, I he think. He just says do this and people do it for him. That's great. Man. But after 30 years, you deserve it, so. I'm happy for you, Gooch. Hope you get out of there soon, though. The Come ne- fly the BN private plane. Lieutenant Colonel's next. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yo, you know your rankings, huh? Oh, yeah, then Colonel, then, you know, you retire, better pension, everything. It's only two ranks under Colonel? Yeah. It goes from major to lieutenant, lieutenant colonel to colonel. Huh? Holy smokes! Yeah, he's up there. Well, extra congratulations then, Gooch. That's pretty nice. Yeah. All right, there you go. Okay, what I want to do is tell you guys about some Canadian beers. Uh, as you know, Daniela and I uh, went to Canada over the over the break, and actually, Daniela, they want to know about your experience getting back uh, into the country. Pe- uh, people were concerned uh, that you weren't even going to make it back, and they were very right about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was so awful. I really? cried afterwards. Justin was Why? sitting at the bar already, having a huge ass beer, <laughs> all relaxed and happy. Yeah. I got there and I cried. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's awful. Seriously, totally it's interrupted not my tranquil funny. beer drinking experience. As a matter of fact, I was having a great time. I was by myself. I was drinking a a Rickers Red. <laughs> Rickers, Rickers, which uh, I don't have a lot of good things to say. It's it's a mass produced beer in Canada, but it was big. But it was big. It was a good 22 ounces of it. Yeah. And then she comes all crying. I almost didn't make it back in the country. Did they go through your stuff? or? No, no, they did not go through my stuff. What they told me basically is that my visa was not valid anymore because I changed employers. 
while I was here in America. Yeah. And I made sure, though, that everything was okay. I got some forms from the INS and shit. And this dude tells me, no, I'm sorry, we cannot grant you admission anymore because it's not valid. You got to go back to your home country. Wow. Right from there. Right from there. Sure. So that was sure not funny like at all. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I made it. You made it. You're here. Yeah. I told him that you had to, like, wink and... And I don't even know what else. Show titties. To get back in the country. Yeah, when I showed my titties, everything was good. And he gave me a new visa. Nice. Yeah. Gave you a visa? A visa. The hell's a visa? Stop it. Was it the copy of Mein Kampf that you had in your in your carry-on baggage that they that bothered them about letting you back in the? No, country? he was fine with that actually. You didn't mind that? No. Was it the swastika band on your arm? Was <laughs> that the bother? No. As I'm telling you, everything was fine in the end when I showed my tits. Yeah. <laughs> Sex sells. Yeah. It yeah. so sells. It's amazing. Wow. Tits will get you in anywhere. Yeah. Especially when you're crying as you show them. That's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, oh let me in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, no mercy, huh? <laughs> something about strippers who are crying, you know? I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, good for you. Glad you made it back. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> True love. So while we were there, uh, we did get a chance to taste a few beers. Uh, you gotta go to the official beer store. In fact, it's called the beer store <laughs> in Canada. Is it really? There's a big sign on it that says the, the beer. beer store. That's pretty to the point. And there's a shop right next to it. It's a donut shop. I'm trying to remember the name of it. All I can remember is their slogan. It's all over Canada. Their slogan is, uh, Hot coffee and fresh ideas. You can just get fresh ideas there. Yeah. It's an amazing thing in Canada. You go right to the store and you can purchase fresh ideas, okay. which we need here. Yeah, we do. So I went in and I, I took a number seven and a number eight. And I'll tell you guys what they are in January. Okay. I got us some fresh ideas. Uh, it was amazing. But you got to go to the beer store. And they also have regulations about, you know, although they're, it's pretty loose, but you can't buy after like 10 o'clock or mm. 9 o'clock or something. I don't know. I I was trying to stay on top of it, so I went by like 10 a.m. every morning. I was at the beer store. They're like, hey, Justin. <laughs> they already knew your name. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to pick up. And, and I stuck to the regional section. Uh, and in fact, last time I was in Canada, which was like two years ago, they didn't have a regional section at the beer store. You just had to choose from, you know, a lot of domestic swill, mm. but now uh, microbrews really grow in there too. Good. So they have a whole section of their of their beer store that's dedicated to that. So I stuck to that and picked out a few. Uh, I've got four here that I'd like to mention. The first one, probably my favorite, was uh, Black Oak uh, Brewing Company, and what I had of theirs was a Nut Brown. Go figure. Go figure. I know something attracted me to it, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh, I want to try that. That's- I ended up buying that one a couple of times because that's a good one. It was a really nice brown ale, good malt flavor, and had some hop bite to it. Interesting. You know, I've made a brown in in my homebrew. The first one I made I liked quite a bit. Uh, it was from the B3 kit, actually. Uh, if you go to Beer Beer Morbeer, you can get their malty brown. Oh, I, yeah. did it, I did it mini mash, and the first one just came out great. Yeah. The second one was just too malty. There's something, you got to be careful with those ones that... It, t- it just ends up too sweet it was, yeah, it to drink. You can have one of them and that's it. And then you feel like your mouth is coated with, with syrup. And it's filling too. You know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. So this one had a, uh, the, the black oak nut brown. It was, it, it just had a nice balance and it wasn't such a heavy beer that you couldn't drink a six pack. Nice. Or at least that I couldn't drink a six pack because I did drink a six did pack. Did it finish dry or? 
Mm, yeah, it did. It, it not, you know, like a lager, obviously, but it did, it, a lot drier than mine is what I was comparing it to. I didn't want to compare it to like Newcastle or something. Um, cause that's like the original brown, right? right? So, but, uh, no, it, it finished real nice and it was kind of, it, it was, it definitely had the nutty flavor. Uh, you could get hints of that. And then, like I said, it had a nice hop character, so it wasn't too sweet. Did it actually, did you taste oak in it? I wonder no. if that, no. No oak. Interesting. Even though they're called black, but that's just the name of the brewery, and they've got okay. several different ones. Uh, they have a porter and whatnot, but now I didn't really taste the oak. Huh. Eight 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 four zero one beer is the number here, by the way, if you want to call in and talk to us. Especially if you're Canadian, you got anything to say about these beers? The most popular beer that I had there, obviously Molson is like the most popular beer in Canada. Molson? It's like Bud here. Uh, you know, it's their biggest nice. distributor. And, um, but the most popular, uh, smaller one that I had was Alexander Keith's IPA. And I've had this beer before, but this time I appreciate it a lot more. It's a mass distributed beer brewed out of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Or Nova Scotia. Nova. Or whatever they say over in Canada. I, I don't like know. That. Uh, but it was, uh, it was definitely a, it's a good IPA, not what we know on the West Coast to be an IPA, because um, it doesn't have that real hoppy flavor. Was it more malty? It was more lagery, actually. It was a light, light color, like a Heineken color, even a little more yellow, or, or I should say, a little more golden. Okay. Um, uh, but but it it just it overall it had a great flavor, and it, uh, it was a very like a uh, it was a good session beer. Nice. I thought it's a, it's a I don't think that you're allowed to go over like five and a half percent in Canada. Oh, so okay. even their IPAs, it was only a, a I think it was five point one percent. This this Alexander Keith's. Yeah. Now oh, we got someone on the phone. Let's see what we got here. Caller, you're on the air. Are you listening? Oh wow, that doesn't sound good. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Who are we talking to? Oh, it's Dogger. How are you doing? Hey, Dogger. Good. How's it going, man? Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, and uh, do you know these beers I'm talking about so far? Well, I didn't hear all of them. I was. Uh hanging on to the telephone, and I sort of got dead air. All I got so far was, I, I talked about the Black Oak first. Have you had that? No, no. Well, I think that's pretty local to Toronto, though. Oh, yeah, it might be. They're from, it's brewed out of Oakville, Ontario, so yeah, it might I be just right around there. From Toronto. It's a good one. If you come across that, try that. But I know you must have had the Alexander Keith's IPA. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, a generic sort of beer. That's what I kind of thought, because it was on yeah, tap so everywhere. I really it was an IPA, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it didn't have that hop bite. No, I, there's nothing to it. First time I ordered it, I was surprised that it was an IPA, but um, and it doesn't have the smell either. But uh, I still like drinking it. It was like I could drink a good seven of those and feel real sure. nice, you know. Yeah, no, that's out of uh, out of the East Coast. Okay. It was uh, initially brewed by Alexander Keith out there. Yeah. And then uh, when everybody got themselves organized here in Canada, they decided to export it around the. Uh, Around the country. Okay, I gotcha. You you could really find it everywhere. It was on tap all over the place. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, another one that I had, and I'd had this before. Daniela liked it. I I wasn't too happy about it. It was okay. Um, the Sleeman's Cream Ale. Oh yeah, they're just down the street, eh? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, they're the third largest Canadian brewer. It says. Wow. You know. Yeah, the- they bought out that uh, Unibrew company as well. Okay. Uh, out of uh, out of Montreal. Gotcha. I'm not very fond of them myself. They come in clear glasses, eh? Yeah, exactly. They're asking for nothing but trouble there. He's right. The bottle on a Sleeman's Cream Ale is a, it's a clear glass bottle, like a Newcastle bottle. Really? It's a, it's just like a Newcastle. So it's clear glass, and and he's right because it's not a dark beer like the Newcastle too, which might have a little saving grace for that beer. It's a really light beer, yeah. 
um, you know, golden color. So they are asking for trouble, I think, in that in that bottle. Um, Daniela, you like that one? Oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you buy a six pack of those on a summer day, and and like the sixth one will be skunky. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. It's just all bad. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, notice from Dogger too. Uh, er, can, Canadians, uh, the last uh, consonant in every word it goes up. Yeah, like in, in intonation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sleemans, eh? <laughs> you know, like it always goes up at the last. And by the time I leave, every time I go to Canada, I do that. I say out. I got to go out <laughs> instead of out. I, I always change my accent every time I come home from Canada. I, I know I like it. Everyone makes fun of the Canadian accent, Dogger, but I like it. Yeah, me too. It's good. Uh, okay, a good lager that we had was Creamore Springs Premium Lager. Yeah, that's a nice one. That one was really good, actually. Uh, Comes in a nice 500 mil bottle. Yeah, nice. exactly. And it's a brown bottle. Good label, yeah. too. In fact, you can go to... They're out of Cremore, Ontario. You can go to CremoreSprings.com and check them out. Or it might be CremoreSprings.ca. I'm not sure. But uh, just Google it, and you'll find it. But that was really a, a quality lager, that one. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good brew, that one. Full-bodied. You know, it wasn't watered down at all like a like a domestic type of lager, you know, like a, like a Molson or something. It definitely had a lot of flavor to it. Um, good carbonation. You could smell it. I poured all of my beers in glasses there, by the way. And the guy I was staying with, he's like, what's wrong with you? You can't just drink it? And I'm like, because he's known me for a long time before I got into this whole beer. Th- and I'm, I said, I said, no, I can't. I got to look at it. I want to smell it. I'm, I'm testing these things, you know. And uh, it had a really good aroma. Uh, I... Th- Similar to a, to a, to a good Hellas, you know. I, I mean, I'm not saying it was it was that good. Yeah. What I'm saying is, as opposed to being close to a domestic swill, mm-hmm. it was much closer to a, to a good Hellas than it was a domestic. You know, it was fresh. Creamore yeah, Springs. Fresh. Nice. I recommend that one. Is that one? Is Creamore anywhere near you, Dogger? Uh, we can get the beers down in through here. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just up the street, really. Okay. You know, I might have to take a lunch to get there, but it's all right. All right, that's not a good. That far of a drive. Now. I had a couple others, but I didn't. Uh, they weren't good enough to take note of. So, you got any mentions that I'm that I'm not mentioning here, Dogger? Um, I talked to you about the Brick Brewing Company. Yeah, I saw that post, but I couldn't find it over there. Yeah, it's um, it's a small place down in uh, KW. It's somewhat argumentable as to whether it's a microbrewery or not. So they're pretty pretty widely distributed then, or what? <clears throat> yeah, they get they they do all right for themselves. So all right, what's they, KW? They have That's a, a city. Of good brews. What's um, what's KW, daughter? For them. What's that? What's KW? Oh, Kissinger Waterloo, sorry. Okay, all right, gotcha. So it's just the you city know, big, that they're uh, Big Bavarian Festival happens down in there. Oh, okay. Uh, all the fall time, Oktoberfest. Gotcha. Um, it's the largest, apparently it's the largest Bavarian festival outside of Germany itself. Okay. Hmm. Got to be sponsored by Molson and stuff then, huh? Uh, I was sponsored by just about anybody that drinks beer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, Molson brews a beer. I didn't have it. I just saw it today, Danielle. I thought you'd find it interesting. It's actually called Bavaria, something oh, really? Bavaria. What's yeah. something Bavaria? I don't, do you know what it's called exactly, Dogger? Um, uh, Bohemia. Bohemia, Bavaria? Yeah. It's called Bohemia. It, no, I actually saw Bavaria. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I There's, could be wrong on says, that. It's a green label, and in yellow it says Bavarian. Like it's Bavarian lager or something hmm. like that. Oh, 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 that's the Brazilian one. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, the, nice. the mark of Bavaria. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's right. Mm. I didn't drink it. I just saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not big on that one. It's um, it's a bit it's too light. 
as I far would, as I'm concerned. I would venture to say that Brian Hunt would be pissed about that. <laughs> a Canadian okay. beer called uh, Mark of Avaria. I think you'd be pissed at anything. Well, <laughs> yeah. apparently, like the, whole, the whole regime of things is uh, most of our beers have been bought out by major conglomerates throughout okay. the world. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, they import the stuff in. There was a post earlier on about Foster's. Yeah. Uh, in the in the net, we get Foster's over here in Canada. Is it brewed here? I mean, I'm not sure. Right. Guys down at Labatt, they tell me, no, it's not. They bring it in, uh, extract the alcohol out of it. They bring it in. Um, huh. And then when they put the alcohol back in it over here in Canada. That's weird. But, uh, yeah, but it gets away from the excise tax. Oh, I see. Right on the alcohol. So. Oh, that's nice. A little loophole there. Yeah, yeah a little, little small loophole. That's why guys like... You know, smaller breweries like Cooper's down in Australia as well. I'm going to do a plug here for the Australians. That's fine. Um, you know, they uh, they make a nice beer as well. Uh, but, you know, they have to bring it up fully in the bottle. Yeah. So that's yeah, They're, that's they're paying a tax on it. So you pay a few more dollars for it. You know why the Australians export uh, Foster's? Because it's crap. Yeah, they don't <laughs> They don't want it. They that's don't want why. It. Yeah. Ask Oz. He knows. That stuff is terrible. It's American. Although, it's, it's, what I do like bad. about it is you can buy that giant can of it. Yeah. It's like a 22-ounce can or something. Instead of, they didn't bother putting a bottle. It's a giant can. I love that's that right. thing. It's a quart of oil. It's, yeah, it's it what is. it is. It's beautiful. <laughs> Every time I'm on the train in Connecticut, that's the only beer worth drinking on the train. You buy a giant can. Take, it up, to, take it up to New York. <laughs> All right, yeah, Dogger. There's another bad one down there called VB, but I don't know. I haven't tried that yet. In in Toronto, you're talking about? No, no, in, in Australia. In Australia, yeah. I think that's one of their big ones, the VB. Victoria Bitter. Victoria Bitter, Bitter exactly. pretty bad. Oh, is that right? It's their, I think that's their other domestic swill, aside from Foster's. So. The Victoria Bitter. All right, so i got to clear the line because I got the guy calling in from uh, Titletown in a second. Okay. All right, thanks for the call, so Dogger. Guys, thanks for your time. All right, we'll see you, buddy. All right, bye. Yeah, Dogger was cool. He, uh, in the forum while we were away, was post, I th- I'm pretty sure it was Dogger, was posting pictures of what we were going through there. <laughs> because it was a friggin' blizzard out. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was scary. like, uh, it was like the Katrina of snowfall. Yeah, for a desert boy, it was. Oh, man. <laughs> for me, it was like slightly snowing. Come on, there was like four and a half inches of snow on the ground. But four after, <laughs> after the five days we stayed there and after Justin drank liters and liters of beer, they had a lot of yellow snow around their house. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Smiley face. It's, you know what's great about the snow is that when you pee, it steams all over yeah. the place. I just saw him one night at the house and I just saw a huge cloud of steam surrounding oh, yeah. him. That's fun is what that is. That's just good fun. That's self-entertainment right there. <laughs> you know, I could have done it for hours. Man, it was, it, I'm telling you, it was yeah. like, uh, I felt like I was on top of Mount Everest. No, it was pretty cold, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. cold. I, I was only in Celsius, so I don't know what that translates to because I can't do math very well. <laughs> but it was like 37 degrees minus. <laughs> Something like that, right, that's Daniela? Cool. Yeah, it was approximately 10 degrees minus in Celsius. In which Celsius. translates, I don't know, to it's what like 30, in Fahrenheit. 30 below zero or something? I think, no, oh, no, 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 no. In Fahrenheit, it's still... it was above zero the whole time in oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. It didn't yeah. get below zero or anything, oh, yeah. Yeah. but it felt like it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> the pee looked like it. <laughs> the pee looked and the like penis, it. too. <laughs> <laughs> the hell's that supposed to mean? <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> it was... Uh... It's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you that the Canadians are like the nicest people I've ever met in my life. I've traveled a lot, but Canadians are just awesome. That is very true. Um, we got lost in Toronto, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, lost for like 45 minutes. I couldn't find the, the freeway. We were trying to get to Niagara. We wanted to go look at Niagara Falls. In fact, we didn't even get to talk about the wine yet. We'll, oh, do, yeah. it at, we'll do it at the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. Good, good they're, wine they're known for in wine. Ontario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you ever heard of ice wine? Mm. That's gonna, great. I'm going to tell you about Is ice wine. wine? I'm going to tell no. Yeah, well, it's the, yeah. I'll tell you real quick now. Uh, they actually harvest the grapes when it's minus eight Celsius in the middle of the night. So the so the grapes are frozen to minus eight oh, off of the vine, trip. and they squeeze them, and they don't get much out of them. Right. So it's a waste of a lot of grapes. Right. But what they get is a really high sugar content, uh, and so what you end up with is more of a liqueur or a port. Interesting. We got a bottle. Mm. No way. So mm-hmm. uh, one of these dinners we'll have over here, we'll Still. share it with you. Uh, yeah, it's expensive, too. But, I mean, it's not outrageous. But you get a small bottle, but you're only drinking little bits of it anyway. It's yeah. a good dessert one. Right. Tell you more about it later. Okay. Cool. Um, where was I? Now I now I got lost. Steam and pee? We were talking about how nice the Canadians are and that we got lost in Toronto. So I got lost in Toronto trying to find my way to Niagara. And uh, we Daniela you know, rolls down the window at a stoplight and asks some guy. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> That's embarrassing, right? Like you're a guy, you don't even want to stop at the gas station yeah. and hear your girlfriend asking the the driver <laughs> yeah. next to you, right? So instead of just you know giving us directions, he's like, "Oh, pull over to the next uh, parking lot. I'll tell you how to get there." So now I'm like, "Oh, great! He, you want he's gonna mug us?" You know, Justin was all freaked out. He's gonna mug us. He's gonna mug us. Yeah, <laughs> from California, a guy doesn't pull. You know, you ask for directions in California. You know what he says to you? Get a map. <laughs> get a map. <laughs> <laughs> jerk. So he's like, yeah, pull over. And I'm going, oh, man. So we pull over. And the guy, he rips the page out of his map book and gives it to us. And he's like, here's where you go. He spends 10 minutes with us saying, this is where you are. This is where you got to go. I hope you guys make it. Drive safe now. Be careful because the roads are cold. It, it, like, there could be ice on there. He was like St. Nick himself. Wow. He was the nicest guy <laughs> on the planet. And so I felt like a jerk. Like, I wouldn't even get out of the car. I just kind of rolled the window down. And um, is that Eric on the phone now? All right. Let's uh, just... let's. Let's put him on hold there. Go ahead. And uh, we'll take a quick break and come right back to I'll talk to him and then we'll we'll go to a break. Uh he's the nicest guy in the world. I won't even I got my door locked and my window yeah. cracked open. He's like, Could could I could you roll down the window so I could show you where I you're know. going? Uh he was so nice and everybody in Canada was that way. They're Absolutely. Like, they don't they're not afraid of people, is yeah. what it is. In California, we're, we're afraid, afraid of people. Yeah. And, and and rightly so. It was a great experience. Cool. We got lost so many times with Justin. It was crazy, and everybody just helped us out so nicely. It was <laughs> it was true. really we fantastic. Got lost like twice, like five times, but never mind. <laughs> oh, great hey, experience. Hey, hey, Eric, you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, buddy? I'm just fine. You? I'm doing great. Eric from Titletown Brewing out of uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, on the line for us. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, Eric. I just wanted to to get you on the phone here, make sure everything's working. Um, we're going to play one song and then come right back to you. Will that work? Uh, that's just fine. I'm not going anywhere. It's too cold outside. <laughs> you got snow there? <laughs> yeah, we have snow, but it's like 18 degrees. So. 18 degrees. See what I'm saying? Jeez. It's ridiculous. I don't know what's wrong with you. You want to move that brewery to California, Eric? <laughs> it's fine. Um, well, he, he maybe. Can, I'm, I'm used to it, though. Can, too much competition here, logger. anyway. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you could logger. You don't have to have, like, um... Like all those. Yeah, we actually have to eat the fermenters. You gotta eat them there to do lager. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> we have to eat the brewery though. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet you do. 
All right, so Eric Watson from Titletown Brewing Company is on the phone with us. Uh, we're going to just take a real quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk all about Titletown, Eric's history as a brewer. Like I said earlier, he's had uh, uh, some good education, uh, both from the Watts, Siebel Institute yeah. and also Weinstefan. And uh, and then we're going to talk mash with him because he's got some good uh, some mash procedures. So hang in there a second, Eric. We'll be right okay. back. Uh, it's the Brewing Network. We're coming right back. Hang on a sec. And now back to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters. On the Brewing Network. Oh, yeah. I hope you all got your photies ready. Uh, Is that your paper bag? Yes, my photie. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, you still there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. I I almost hung up on you. (laughs) Eric, the chat room thinks that uh, they can tell I'm gay by my song selection. Depeche Mode. <laughs> you wouldn't agree with that, would you? Uh, I don't try to judge people in that way. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, <laughs> uh, Eric. Were you able to find your forty of malt liquor? No, that as I said before, I want to talk to you earlier. That's a regional beer. A lot of people aren't uh, aware of that. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. The company that makes that beer also makes other malt liquors that, <laughs> based on region, they're renamed. I don't know if they're the same or not. I've lived in regions where it was available, but um, it's not available here. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it, yeah I'm okay. sure we have a substitute product, though. <laughs> yeah. Probably many of them. Yeah, the old uh, the Bush family makes this this particular one, and I'm guessing that Eric's right. Like that, you can probably find a version of it in your area. It just might not be called uh, King Cobra. Uh, well, all the noise you're hearing is is King Cobra has to be drunk out of out of a paper bag. It's uh, it's kind of a law. Really, especially in, especially in California, and uh, King Cobra also. Uh, now, usually we do a, a you know a serious palate tasting here, Eric. Lest you think that we're just a bunch of uh, you know gangsters. Oh, this is where it gets fun. Um, but this, exactly. We thought we'd have a little fun this time. Uh, John's already smelling it, by the way. And so we, we, you know, of course we got some theme music for it. Um, so I'm going to play that for you as we get to our, our King Cobra tasting. And I hope you listeners at home have got your King Cobra in a paper bag. Biatch! That's right. Smells like cream corn. <laughs> it's John's ghetto speak. <laughs> you gotta have Dr. Dre in the background when you're drinking uh, yeah. King Cobra. So we'll just keep that going. Alright, let me crack mine open here. Uh, any of the listeners in the chat room there talking about their King Cobra or did they completely avoid this tasting? No, I'm not sure actually. Some people were asking when we would do it, so okay. they might have it. I think they got it. I'll tell you this right now. If you finish your King Cobra by the end of the show, you're gonna be feeling good. You're gonna be doing alright. I'm slurring. Alright, let me have a smell. You get the oh, That's disgusting, <laughs> is what that is. <laughs> It's really peppery. You smell the pepper in there? Or is that my paper bag? It is peppery. Peppery and yeasty. All right. So it's made by the Bush family. You know that. Uh, a lot of the, I actually did a little research on it today. Go figure. I don't know why. I just thought I'd figure out a little background. I found several websites dedicated to the 40. Like, and then people post about how great it is. And a lot of the comparisons I saw is that it's a, it's an amped up Budweiser, is what a lot of people say. It, it tastes uh, like Bud with really malty. <laughs> there you go. It's an amped up Bud. All right, let me give a taste to you. I like it better than Bud. By the way, I used to drink these. I just don't remember. So I, this is, it's like a new experience to mm-hmm. me. Not much flavor. It's not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I, can, not. I can drink that. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as you would think. Want to try some, Daniel? The paper bag is just... I mean, it's not good. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's not bad. God. It does. It, it's a. It's a. It's just a stronger version of a, of domestic swill. Yeah. But at least I'd, I'd actually ah, rather. What's wrong with you? Oh my god! You don't like that, huh? <laughs> I take that wow. as a no. <laughs> yeah. Look it's, at this. It tastes like old vice beer or so. It tastes really, really old. It's also a clear bottle, so you're going to get some oxidation in there too. Oh. Yeah, it's oxidizing rather. Cardboardy going on. You took it out of the paper bag. I wanted to look at the beauty of the bottle. Yeah, it's a nice bottle. It's huge. Yeah, it just, I don't know. There's not a lot to say about it actually, which is kind of what I expected. But it is, it does, I'll tell you this. If I'm going to choose domestic swill, I'd rather drink this because at least you can taste it, right? Like at least there's something there. There's more malt to it, definitely. You know, it's got more body and, and it's not whatever that else watered it has. down and. I don't get any hop aroma or bitterness. no. Oh, there's Nothing no hop or... aroma whatsoever. There's pepper. You can get that aroma. Yeah. All right. Mm. Enough of that. I hope you all enjoy your forties at that, home. That's our tasting. That's our tasting. Yeah. Everybody not much hates to, it. Not much. Are, are they drinking it and saying Some they hate are, it in the chair? Yeah. <laughs> I challenge them to finish it though. One of our listeners on this morning show had a great idea for our tasting segment, and basically the idea is this: we give a prize to the listener who drinks the most of our tasting. By the end of the show, so they have to call and prove it. Obviously, yeah. I'm <laughs> and we, you know, we take speech. a speech. Exactly, we take a couple calls by the end, <laughs> and we evaluate who's had the most, yeah. you know, or at least who it affected the most, and we give them a prize. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. uh, like you know, the prize should be like dialysis of the liver or something, or, or a liver <laughs> transplant or something like that. That's what we'll work on. Ooh, so. I think I got heartburn, no, and I've never got, had heartburn no, before. It's got alcohol. It's warming you up. Really? It's got some kick. Oh, it's stronger than regular beer? Yeah. Oh. I'm going to finish mine. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry about that, Eric. We just had to get that out of the way. That's all right. I have a theory after you talked all about that. Oh, yeah? Um, Go ahead. I wonder if um, that's a high-gravity uh, brew undiluted. Hmm. That's a good, it's, you know, they do do that. Or at least, well, because that's how they make that. their regular swill. They do it high gravity, then they dilute it, right? Exactly. So it could either be a slight dilution. They put the aerated water in it. That's how they do it, and um, uh, it may possibly be either less dilution or um, I don't know if their words actually higher than that. You know, because you're looking at probably you know, you're trying to shoot for something in the seven percent area. Yeah, that's so, true. It may be it may be their actual uh, uh, high gravity work that they're say making the bud product with. Yeah, it's probably even higher than that, and it, it may just be a different dilution. Yeah, you know, actually, that's a good point because why would they, you know, waste fermenters and 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 whatever and resources to just brew an entirely different one that's that's that cheap and that bad? I can't imagine the profit margin is huge if you have to do another one. So they keep their profit margin if they just don't dilute their original uh, one. Right. I think they should, you know, just make that their regular. This should be the regular. But if you ask me, <laughs> I mean, it won't. The peppery note that you're picking up is sort of a hallmark of, uh, you know, some of those uh, American uh, lager strains. Yeah. Uh, particularly when they're done um, at a higher uh, gravity. Where does that come so that's from? That's what do you made know? me wonder about it. Yeah, because uh, I've not actually experienced the peppery note in any other beer. So. Uh, there are a number of uh, beers that I detect that in. I, I find it pleasant in other scenarios. Right, right. Wh- what exactly produces it? Do you know? It's just a, it's some sort of impression that's left by specific strains. You can catch it in um, Anchor uh, Anchor Liberty. 
Oh, okay. If you're really paying attention, there's so much, you know, uh, going on with that beer. Right. If you sit around and really concentrate, particularly if it's warmer, I can get that impression. Um, I get sometimes get um, a little bit of a peppery impression out of Duval. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You get that too, John? Yeah, Belgian strains have a spicy note. That spicy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the spicy thing. I just had never interpreted it as pepper until this one. Because wouldn't, you wouldn't think that pepper is a good thing to go along with beer, you know. But I guess in certain situations, if you're a Belgian, you know. This is a fermentation byproduct. Now. It would have to be mild, though. This isn't a mild pepper flavor in this one here. No. You know. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm they... happy to say I haven't experienced it, so I can't add anything to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're full of baloney, Eric. I think you got a fridge full of this stuff. <laughs> you wish you could brew this at uh, Tidal Town. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Titletown Brewing Company out of uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Are you a Packers fan, Eric? Um, actually, I'm a transplant. I've only been here about four months. Of course, I hear about it on a daily basis, but I have not uh, gotten the bug yet. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And, and where'd you come from then? Um, I actually came from Rochester, New York. Um, okay. To here, I'm not from there. I'm actually from West Virginia. That okay. Was the brewery that I was briefly at until they ran out of operating capital. Gotcha. You know, I think that in your case, brewing, uh, being a brewmaster is a lot like being a DJ. You got to go wherever they're they're hiring a brewer. Yeah. You know, like I can't become an on-air DJ on FM radio in San Francisco, but I probably could in, say, Wisconsin, <laughs> for example. <laughs> you would do fine. <laughs> you know, they might let me on the air over there. But you do. You got to move around to where the job is, right? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like to me. In fact, I'm looking over uh, your resume here, Eric, and uh, you have moved around quite a mm-hmm. bit. I got yeah, that's a, an affect of the brewing industry. Um, it has a lot to do with uh, different things, building experience, um, learning where in the industry you want to fit. Um, actually, my brewing career was generally pretty solid, you know, up until um, I left Indiana, and I went through a series of, uh, let's say, flaky owners. Okay. Is the way to put it. Yeah. Um, but I've landed in a very nice uh, place at this point. It's a very successful 10-year-old brewery that's well-known. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, I'm curious, you know, in, in regards to flaky owners, uh, I'm wondering how many of them are, are, are lazy or how many of them are just kind of drinking more than they're selling? Is what Mostly they aren't good business people. No, is that right. what's happening with yeah, you? Yeah, because, you know, as much as we like to think about the passion and the art and the tradition yeah. the business, sure. and if you can't hold it up as a business, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. Hmm. No, that makes sense, of course. Can't do both, really. Be a brewer and a business. I don't know. run a business. Be a brewer. Well, it takes an exceptional person, I think, to mm-hmm. do it. We've had a lot of people in here that are brewers and and the business guys. That's true. But you got to you know you got to dedicate and you got to you got to have a good brain on you. Yeah. You can't just be a beer guy. You know, it's kind of a well-rounded thing. I'm looking over your thing, uh, your your uh, your resume here, and I'm seeing uh, West Virginia. I'm seeing school in Illinois. I'm seeing uh, North Carolina. You've worked in. Um, and then obviously New York, you just mentioned that, that you came from. And uh, Ohio, mm-hmm. also. Um, Maryland, Deep Creek mm-hmm. Brewing Company in Maryland. Um, yeah, you've kind of been around, you've been moving all over. Yeah, three S- places in the last year. Single guy? Yes, yeah. still, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, because the family's like, F you, we're staying here. Yeah. <laughs> My dog doesn't know where he lives. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Not for the dog, but uh, yeah, good companion to have. If you're going to have any family when you move around like that, just better be a dog. Uh, I already got a question for you about Titletown from the chat room. Which is your favorite Titletown beer? Um, well, um, of course, I, I do enjoy all of the things that I am brewing, but 
I would have to say probably the Rail Yard Ale, which is our um, northern German alt beer. Oh, okay. Nice. Brewing an alt beer right there out of the commercial brewery. I like that. Yeah, yeah actually I do too of the alt style. I also do a Kolsch beer all the time. Hmm. Okay. I don't know of one place up here. Of all the oh, breweries around here that doesn't alt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never either. Nobody. Sort of rare. Um, plus, the ones that do them t- typically don't really understand the style very well, I've found. I've had some really good ones. Um, oh. Bluegrass Brewing in Kentucky makes an awesome alt beer. Okay. i I got to ask you just a quick favor, Eric. i got you turned up as much as I can. So if you can just kind of just talk as directly and as loud into your phone as possible. All right, how's that? Oh, that's oh, perfect. That's perfect. Not because the listeners were kind of saying they couldn't get you. Okay. So. Oh, perfect. That sounds much clearer. Awesome. Good work. I know it sounded good the other day, so I just was. Do right. you uh, ferment your alt beer cold, low sixties? Yes, that's one of the things a lot of people don't do, right? Um, uh, to produce such a dry finish in an ale with as little esters as possible, you're going to need to ferment at uh, a sixty degrees. Wow. And how, how long do you ferment it? Two, three weeks, or it takes uh, six days in primary, and typically, then I'm doing um, I do three the typical three day uh, rest. It's already at sixty, so you're okay for diacetyl as long as you just leave it there right. three days. You don't like have to raise it. So um, three more days of that rest, and then I progressively drop it down to below freezing, and then I lager it for a couple weeks. Nice, wow, very clean. I'm sure, extremely, yeah. Below freezing. So what are you, you you going down at like thirty? Yeah, just right around thirty. Right Sometimes around thirty. It, it'll hit twenty nine. Wow. Is that below thirty in a storage tank or your fermenter? No, this would be in the fermenter after I've blown the yeast charge off. Oh, weird. Does that raise your gravity at all? No. No. Okay. What does it mean, blown the yeast? You, you mean you got it off the bed of yeast? I just worry about. Yeah. Some... The the idea, even at that type of cold temperature, you're you're arresting a lot of chance for autolysis and bad yeast flavors. But so you got to dump it. It's still a nice precaution. Okay. It may not be totally necessary, but it's one of those paranoia things I do. I'd say. Sure. And why not if you can anyway? Yeah. You know, doesn't hurt. It's, it's pretty slick. I don't know. Now, did you uh, you graduated from the Siebel Institute of Technology? Do I have that right? Correct, in 99, in 99. before they changed their organizational structure. How long is that program? That was the eight-week. That oh, okay. was the, 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 what they called the diploma program at that time. Now they do the same thing except for you do a little class time here and then you go to Dolmans, Germany for all the lab work and everything else that, that we used to do here, which is, you know, to me has made it, it was expensive enough at the time, but now it's really expensive. Right, to have to travel. Great training. Around. I mean, I'm not, you know, knocking it. Siebel's a great thing but yeah um that really made it out of the reach of of a lot of people i was very lucky to uh get in just before they devolved okay and does siebel when you when you finish that program do they help place you and get you somewhere or they can you're on a file just like any other university or educational institution where it's brewer for hire file but really it's just like anything else you have to go out and market yourself i i didn't start out as a brewer i uh I started a brewing microbiology business. Okay. And did that for three years before I became a full-time brewer. Gotcha. It's good background. Yeah. I'm sure that helps. Now, what well, you that do? Well, that's one area that a lot of breweries can't afford to uh, get better competency in, you know, building labs and things like sure. that. So they outsource it to regional guys like me. Gotcha. Well, and then getting a brewer who can do it, too. That's not bad. Right. Um, what'd you do before Siebel? Just, just home brewing or...? 
yeah, actually, I was in the corporate world. I was a VP of a corporation for 11 years, um, and at the time, I was a home brewer. I started uh, home brewing in the 80s. Okay. And when you were the VP, were you were you making some good cash then? Yeah, more. <laughs> more <laughs> than I am now. So tell me about that. You just kind of decided, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing well, but I don't like it. I, I'd rather spend more time brewing. Yeah, well, it was sort of like that. I um, I had a great experience there, and um, obviously I did well enough to, to get the position that I did. But um, after a while, I just determined it wasn't my thing, and it seemed like brewing was my calling for some reason. I'm not quite quite sure how I came to that idea, but right. I did. I enjoyed what I was doing. I've always been into cooking, so it was sort of, you know, another type of cooking was the way I looked at it at the time. Plus, you were probably drinking when you decided that. Oh, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's, you know, I like those stories, though, because we've heard them before, uh, and it's not that often, uh, but but people who are very successful in something else. Well, Sean from 21st. Sean, yeah, who go, you know, Screw I'm successful, it. but yeah. it's not my thing, and you just want to do something else, and I respect that. I respect it a lot, because it's, for a lot of people, it's hard enough just to be successful, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And especially successful on a level where you're financially happy as well as, you know, in your job. So to move on to brewing like that? Say, uh, I'd call it stupid, but it, I envy it. Is what I, you I'm, know. Not, I'm not very change adverse, as you can tell from my resume. But I mean, it's not like I'm a job hopper. I mean, you can see some serious time in different places. Mm-hmm. It was just situations created that. It wasn't so much there was anything bad going on on my part. It was mostly business control by others that was the problem. Gotcha. Uh, by the way, just a, a side note: Jamil, uh, who is in the chat room now, says that Elk Grove Brewing, out, out where he lives, does an alt, and they've actually won four GABF uh, oh, medals for it. So huh. uh, we were wrong that nobody in our area does it. Uh, Elk Grove. Um, hey, let me ask you about this one now. You actually took some courses through uh, Weinstefan. Yes. But uh, was did did you have to go to Germany for that? No, I took that in San Diego. Really. Yeah, and they're doing it again, I believe. I haven't seen the schedule, but I think they're doing it again um, this year. So they just do satellite courses out here? Yeah, basically. Okay. They call it their grain-to-glass um, seminars. Gotcha. And and then, uh, you know, are you packed in with 500 other people when you go to those things, or are they relatively There's, small? Um, about 120. It not bad. Too big. Yeah, that's not bad at all, actually. And I gave a nice chance for interchange. And and what's the course that you took through that? Uh, the course was sort of, um, it dealt, of course, a lot with loggers, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, we did a little bit on uh, hefes and things like that, but it was mostly logger, technical okay. brewing, uh, oh, filtration methods, um, all kinds of, of things, that a lot of which they don't do in Germany, obviously. Right, right. But that doesn't change the fact they teach these methods because, you know, they know they're scientifically valid. And were the instructors uh, the the same guys from Germany? They kind of sent them out to do the course, or what? Oh yeah, yeah. No, they were the the same faculty. I know it at least. I like that. Yeah. Well, if you're interested, look it up. Then I guess check out Weinstefan to see if they're doing any courses out here. If anyone's interested, um, what I'd like to know because John and I kind of briefly mentioned this just the other day. We were talking about how much we get to we're exposed to a lot of good beer information here and as are our listeners and uh John has to research for every show about our topic and just gets a lot of reading done and is picking up a lot of brew information and what we're kind of curious about is you know do you do you feel Eric like you needed to go to these courses uh to to get where you are and to know what you know or can a guy just start reading and and do it you definitely could do it from the start reading and do it because that's that's the majority of brewers. 
okay, in, right. know, in the craft brewing. Um, one of my problems was I had never even taken uh, science courses in high school. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I took science courses, but, I, like, I didn't, you know, do anything beyond Chem 1 and things like that. And when I got to college, because I have a marketing degree, you know, yeah. I, other than the core competency courses like everybody else takes, it's not like I took microbio or biology or anything like that. And I felt really, really shortchanged when it came to that. So for me, I felt it was really necessary. And also look at my situation where um, I was leaving uh, you know, a decent uh, job, and I wanted to make sure I hit the ground running in a big way. Right. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, save. I knew I was going to do it about three years ahead of time, so I basically saved up my money so I didn't have to work while I did it. That makes sense. That's a good idea. And to get a good background, you know, with me, it, going to school for broadcasting didn't didn't get me a job. Like, I, I obviously, you know, they don't care that I have that degree. But it did get me started. It, you know, like Eric says, it, it does let you hit the ground running. And I came out knowing how to do the stuff that we're doing here. And if I didn't, um, well, we, we wouldn't be doing it, I suppose. It's, it's knowledge. So you do get yeah. something out of it. The one thing I can definitely say is if you really want to um, make it in the brewing industry, below the bottom rung of pay yeah. you have to differentiate yourself and this is true of any industry yeah you have to look in one way or another either in training competency or experience better than the other guy's resume sure what makes you different right i'll tell you i know of of morgan who brews with ej fair here in concord uh what he did to differentiate himself is show up day after day with excellent beer and finally the guy was like I, you know what? I need a brewer, and your beer is 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 incredible. Yeah. Would you do it for me? So even if it means you know by differentiating yourself that you 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 can actually brew an awesome product, that's that's enough differentiation right there. It doesn't have to be a big resume if you can brew the good stuff. Like for example, I'm guessing. Just I'll call me a, a psychic, but if Jamil showed up at a brewery with his homebrew. Uh, people would be happy to have them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, he uh, right. <laughs> doesn't need a big commercial resume to differentiate himself. You know. Uh, all right, people want to know about the history of Titletown a little bit. I know you said that it's uh, it's it's been around for ten years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? This is this started uh, December third, nineteen ninety nine. It was part of or ninety six. Excuse me. It was part of the expansion push by Wine Coop out of Denver. Okay. And um, they uh, had been going around to. Uh, historical renovation areas that they thought had promise and were taking old buildings, rehabbing them, turning them into breweries based upon the original uh, wine coop model, which probably a lot of your listeners are uh, very familiar with. Um, I actually brewed at one of their pubs in West Virginia, which was called Nail City, which is now closed. But um, they uh, had uh, basically not done a lot of market research, and unfortunately it caused them to divest of them um, just a little while later. But uh, this one was always very viable. It was one of the first ones that was really viable. And okay. um, so the the ownership that was uh, part of Green Bay uh, just bought them out. Gotcha. And it's still here. What do you think? Is it the location that makes it viable, or what do you think was the difference there? It's the location. It's a very attractive building. Um, it's a train station. Um, if you look on our website, you'll you'll pick all that up. Yeah. Um, Green Bay and just Wisconsin in general is a very large beer drinking state. There's a lot of Germanic and particularly in this area Belgian heritage um, and some Czech heritage. So uh, beer's just pretty much endemic. Um, that and bratwurst and um, and the Packers. 
Yeah, right. Broadverse and Packers, Danielle. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> like that, huh? I love that. Good old Broadverse. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. Okay. And uh, there's good quality food, and uh, we have a very welcoming atmosphere. People feel uh, good just sitting around and talking and having a nice ale or lager. And sounds great. It's just a warm place. You can check them out at titletownbrewing.com, which is also available right on our main page. If you click their icon, you'll you'll find it. You can't miss that. And it is a good website. Lots of information about mm-hmm. the beers and, and Eric and, and the history there as well. All right. Why don't we start talking a little mash with you, if we could, Eric? Uh, well, we got lined up here. We've done some mash talks before. Um, so we kind of want to get to the nitty-gritty of uh, mash temps and, and different procedures. And I think a good place to start... And, you know, you surprised me with, with this uh, when I, I did a pre-interview with, with Eric just the other day to make sure we were all on the same page. And I thought I would surprise John with it, and he just said, no, you're a dumbass. Uh, that's uh, kind of that, – that is the new thing. And uh, But I thought we'd talk about it because, uh, you know, not everyone knows. Um, and, and what I'm referring to is step mashing versus single infusion. And when I brought it up to Eric, he uh, – kind of said, you know, most of the new things are saying that anything other than single infusion, for example, step mashing, is a waste of time as far as efficiency mm-hmm. and getting what you need out of the mash. Uh, am I am I quoting you at least close, Eric? That's true under a number of scenarios, not all. Um, when you're using, like, German pills malts, although my experience with Durst wasn't like this, but a lot of the other German pills malts, uh, they're less modified, and you, uh, step mashing is definitely beneficial. But when you're talking North American malts, that's um, a big difference between, say, the British malts. Um, with the British malts, they're well modified, they're lowering the nitrogen, they're highly kilned. Um, a single infusion at 60C, 140F um, to, say, 65C, 149 yeah. with a longer rest. Uh, because of the slower alpha action, you're looking at 60 to 90 minutes works really well with those um, in both a pro and a homebrew setting. But in North America, there's a huge surplus of alpha and beta amylase, as well as a number of other um, uh, things in the mash. There's now, I don't hang, want to hang, get too far. Yeah, into hang on it, one second. Before we go any further, talk to me about alpha and beta amylase, either John or Eric. What enzymes, are we? So. We're, so we're talking enzymes here. When we say yeah, alpha or beta, okay, go ahead, John. So, so uh, alpha, for example, is harder to break down or easier to break down than? Well, there's a temperature range. You know, alphas are like the mid fifty one fifty five to low one sixties. Okay, and then your beta amylase are low one thirties to one fifty two ish. You know, and they, Dr. Scott was talking about this about a previous show, but the beta amylase, they cut away chains of sugars from the ends. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're the hedge trimmers. Okay. He was talking about it. Really good analogy. And the alpha amylase will actually cut them apart into smaller chains so they can actually, the yeast will be able to consume them later in fermentation. Okay. So there's, they're just nutrients later in sugar chains that are broken down smaller for the yeast to absorb later. Okay. So are we saying that this kind of breakdown doesn't happen so much in step mashing? Well, under modified malts, they you're gonna you need to tweak them with different temperature ranges. Okay. To get the most out of them, to get more enzymatic actual conversion going on in your grains. I see. Um, basically, to help out your yeast later. If you don't do that with under modified malts, you're you're not going to get 
that high of an efficiency. But okay. most of the grains today are already modified for you, so you only need to do a single infusion because the work's already been done for you, the grain's already been killed for you, and gotcha. you just need to do single infusion and let them do their thing. I so in, an unmodified malt would be a grain that's not been killed? It, the temperature range, I know Eric helped me out with this, but I know the temperature range does play a role with how much enzymes are actually killed, you know, because of the yeah, heat. Maturation. Yeah, Right. Okay. So, I don't know. Um, one thing about the alpha amylase, for when it breaks the starch molecule, it's producing a little bit of glucose, maltose, and maltotriose, but it's really mostly producing dextrins. Mm. Um, okay. And they're active up to like 74C, which would be what, 165? Right. Uh, but then they denature. So basically during that whole time of conversion, you're working the alpha side. Um, Beta amylase is what produces a bulk, bulk of your maltose, which is what you're shooting for. And the range between them is what you said. It's like 135 to 153. So um, with these uh, North American malts having so much alpha and beta, um, they, do, they have a big impact uh, long before denaturation. So the higher temperature is desirable. Say so you're looking at like 145 to 158 mm-hmm. at a shorter rest, and sometimes as short as 15 minutes if you have a good mash tun design. That's the kudo on that one. Okay. Now, a good mash tun design, it, would that be wider? Yeah, wider, shallower. Um, I wouldn't recommend, I mean, you can try it because, you know, it's just your typical conversion test, you know, to tell. Um, but you can try that at home with, say, a, you know, a stovetop masher or, um, you know, taller uh, than wide. But to really take advantage of that type of thing reliably, uh, I think the shallow bed uh, wider is much better um, to make sure that happens. I do most of my mashes in 15 minutes, but it's because of uh, mash time design. Hmm. And I'm using North American malts for the most part. So how wide are we talking is your is your mash ton? My mash ton is about three times as wide as tall. That's so oh, a three to one. Three, three to one ratio. Yeah. Size does matter, folks. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Hey, I tell you, the, the best way to do this, if you want to use this technique, is um, you know a lot of these people are bu- uh, building these manifold coolers, uh, you know, for mashing. Yeah. Well, um, just buy one three times bigger than your batch size, and it, you'll get the same ratio. Wait. Yeah, I'm not. So following. you're gonna have a very thin mash bed. Oh, so could you use and less your efficiency mold? will go through the roof. Interesting. All right. It's very easy to sparge. All right, so tell me what a manifold cooler is, and let's yeah. start at the beginning Oh, it's here. just you take a, one of those big um, got coolers, uh, square oh. or rectangular coolers. Okay. Most people are buying the, the smaller one. We'll just buy three sizes up. I got gotcha. you. that. All right. So here, Spread okay. Spread the mash out that way. Hmm. All right, now you're making that. Now that's, all right, I got it all in my head here. Now I can see it because that's a great idea. In fact, I was just talking to somebody today during the Blue Show who had built himself a, a mash setup. And the common thing to do when you're doing a homemade uh, uh, all-grain kit is to take that orange igloo cooler. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. the one you put water or juice in or whatever, right. and you turn that into your mash ton. Right. But what Eric is saying is now that's a deep and, and small you know, it's the common thing. That's what everybody sees. Right. But they make those giant coolers that you see at tailgate parties, yeah. right? Those big white igloos. They're big and square that you can just fit a bunch of stuff in at your tailgate party. 
turn that sucker into your mash tun, mm-hmm. you're still doing the same amount of grain and water, but it's spread out over, what is that, four times the area of a regular igloo? Now, that's an interesting way to make a home mash kit. Do you, I have a question for Eric. Do you think the weight of grain on top of your, on the actual mash grain plays a role with uh, efficiency in your grain? If you were to spread out your grain over a larger amount of space versus volume coming down on the weight, do you get more or less of efficiency? Well, it certainly would affect it. You get more efficiency. Is it just because of the... You're going to get a more complete rinse. Oh, interesting. There's no way you wouldn't. Okay. It's all about the rinse then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Because in the thick one, right, or, or the deep one, rather, that all sense. that malt is, or the grain, rather, stacked up on top of each other, and the water has to get from top to bottom of that sucker. But if it's thinner, the water doesn't have to work so hard to get to top to bottom. Right. It, you can have a very gentle loiter in that way. You aren't extracting tannins and lipids by sucking too hard. Interesting. Wow. wow. So that's sort of a homebrew way to... There's a lot of advantages to, to that technique. It's not just the you know, change in mass temperatures. R- right. Okay. It's wow. It's easier, typically, if you've got a good Manafort, it, it's easier to Vorloff through that as well for the same reason. Okay. I gotta ask you just to get right up on your telephone again, if you would. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, wow, that's, actually, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'd only I mean, ever seen the igloo cooler thing, but what a great idea yeah, to do I've the, never even to heard do the one large one. like that before. So all of your mash is done in pretty much 15 minutes, you're saying, huh? Yeah, unless I'm doing something special like a Vit beer, um, something with rye in it or. Okay. What about a... I would say if you're gonna use, you know, short, if you're gonna start short, shortening your, um, mash regimen at home, I would, do not do anything any shorter than 30 minutes unless you're going to try this cooler idea. Gotcha. Okay. But now, you'd be surprised. I think most homebrewers, as long as they're getting good temperature um, uh, evenness throughout the mash, uh, 30 minutes, if you can't do it in 30 minutes, something's wrong. Really? Yeah. How long's your mash, John? 60 minutes. 60. I just always done that. But. What's wrong, John? I got issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's... One, one thing I want to make sure people understand, the whole idea of mashing is to actually minimize grain contact just to the time that it takes for um, sacrification. Which is because what sacrification? you're going to go ahead and um, pour off it anyway, right? Okay. So you're picking up anything additional there, um, and by minimizing the grain contact, you're not going to be picking up a lot of undesirables mm-hmm. um, after that point. Because once sacrification is done, the only thing you're going to be doing is clarification. And if you go much longer than that, you're going to start picking up tannins and lipids. Lipids, of course, uh, hurting your head retention. Okay. So sacrification being, as John was just telling me, that's converting starch to sugars. Yes. Uh, it's just a relatively quick process? It happens pretty instantly or what? Well, if you look at, um, of course, you can't do this um, uh, at home, or, or I can't even do it, but if you look at the uh, grain analysis sheet, you'll see a line in there that says conversion at, and it'll say like 10 minutes. Um, now, they can do complete, conver- and they do laboratory conversion beyond what we can actually convert because they have stirred vessels to do this with, so it's like stirring it the whole time. They aren't worrying about work clarity. They're just trying to see how long it takes to convert and what the max is. Okay. So if you look at those sheets, you'll see that spec, and that right there tells you it's, you know, possible. Um, uh, but if as long as you, uh, you know, check uh, with your iodine test to make sure you're converted, it's possible to be under an hour. Gotcha. What about a uh, color extraction? Um, For... Color extraction usually here again. By the time you're done vorloffing, is already set. You aren't going to really get any more. Okay. Um, after that point, 
one thing, um, there's some other uh, things go, that go with mashing, and there's just a ton of implication when it comes to pH. Okay. Um, if your, uh, you know, pH is too high in your mash, you're gonna you're gonna break more malonin out. Okay. Um, so you can increase your color that way. So there are other effects, um, not directly related to that. But basically, if you can if you can cut your your mash down to to thirty or less, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna get more desirables and less of those off flavors, tannins, and undesirables. Is kind of what you're saying, right? Right. Correct. Okay. And I, I've got just a, a question from the from the chat room that says quite simply, fifteen minute mash? <laughs> like, yeah, question I'm mark. They're going. I tell homebrewers that. Um, how, all right. How about we do this with your fifteen minute mash? Uh, if we can take, for example, your alt beer, because I got a question from the chat room about that. So, uh, what temperature are you doing, and what grains are you using for your alt beer, and are you doing a fifteen minute with that? Uh, the answer is yes, and it. Uh in that particular alt beer, I'm using a particular um, domestic malt, and usually, stylistically, use pills malt in alt beers. But I source a domestic malt that has a, a value more in line with pills malt, but it's actually a pale malt, which um, the advantage to that is is lower DMS. Um, okay. In it, since I'm doing the lower temperature fermentation, you know, you're running risks of um, DMS problems if you can avoid the pills malt you're better off because of the kilning so in this case i'm i'm using that and uh a good amount of uh 20l munich and a small amount of chocolate for the color adjustment it's a very simple grain bill which is traditional as well and what temp are you doing that at that one's at um let's see i work in celsius so that would be um 65c okay um about 148. About 148. 148, yeah. Okay. So it's in the lager range of uh, mashing, that particular one. Gotcha. You, you and the, the, how I can pull off here again the 15-minute on that one, even though it's the lower temp, is um, my Vorloff is probably around 30 minutes. So you're looking at a 45-minute total contact time. Wow. Vorloff is the actual transfer sparge. to sparge. Right. And that's for clarification before sparging. That's okay. to uh, set the grain bed at an e- equal pressure and make it uh, run consistently. Um, I don't stop uh, recirculating my work until it's completely clear. Okay. And you're doing that for 30 minutes? Yeah, roughly, right around 30 minutes. And then and are see, you... you can enable doing that by shortening the mash, see? Okay, so you do 15... Normally you wouldn't do that if you did like 60 or 90-minute mash, you know. Okay. That'd so be too long. So it's a 15-minute sack rest, 30-minute recirc, and how do you maintain that, maintain that temperature? Um, I have an insulated mash done with covers. Okay. I have like a one and a half degree drop in that period of time. It's really not that bad. Okay. In the thirty minutes that you transfer it, you're saying you got a one and a half degree drop. Right. Yeah, in it's the in the circulation stage, yes. Okay. See, I restrict mine for fifteen minutes, but I have about a f- ten degree drop. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. See, you ought yeah. to base your Vorloff not by time but by clarity. Okay. Because that's the variable. It's not. It's not time related, and that'll change from mash to mash. So and that's what, why it's always by clarity. What do you feel that your recirculation does for your beers? Well, what it does is I'm doing, you know, exceptional uh, husk separation, any small fragments, um, little bits of uh, uh, residual starch okay. um, is staying in the mash done instead of being transferred over the kettle. Obviously, the husk fractions are to reduce tannins. Right. Um, uh, also, I'm at that point, I'm also starting to get a little bit of protein 
well, a good bit of protein separation, actually, for a mash. And um, you can see that on the top of the mash. When it's done, it looks totally gray. Right. All it's all collected and gooey. You know, the less uh, of that uh, at that stage that you put into the kettle, the better off you are. Okay. All right. Let's, um, how about, let me back up for a second uh, and just get a little more basic. And what is the difference, uh, and especially on a home brewer level, between single infusion and step mashing? What are we talking about here? Well, it's basically dependent upon your, upon your malts because all of these all of these mash techniques are you know can be applied to some and not to others. Um, you have to know your malt source, its level of modification, and whether it makes sense to change your regimen. Most of what we brew with in North America, you can go with this type of strategy. But as soon as you start to go with British, um, some German, um, some of the under modified Czech malts you got to sort of scratch your head a little bit and figure out if it's going to work. Gotcha. Okay. How about I'd say the majority of what the people are using in the U.S., this is okay to do it with. And I've even done it with, like, Simpsons Maris Otter, which is British, and it's pretty darn highly modified. Yeah. I didn't have any trouble. Okay. Uh, He's with Maris it, but too. Um, that's been my only experience with uh, trying this technique, British malt. Um, this stuff's sort of new uh, as far as in the pro brewer arena only been done for maybe two years or so so it's not like i had a lot of time to cycle through different malts with this gotcha just kind of went for it uh, is that what they were doing at Tidaltown when you got there no no you you I, I grew in. in a whole nother technical way okay mm. yeah all right let's back up even further to your homebrew career and i'm curious uh, I, we mentioned it just briefly H- how long did you homebrew for um 84 to well, 99, I guess. Okay. Well, I did a couple of homebrew batches after that. but Gotcha. And now I assume uh, no time for, for homebrewing for you. No, I... What did I do? What did I last do? I think I cracked a couple of cans of Woodford Snog and brewed that like two years ago, but that's been the only homebrew. But I make wine and meat at home. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And uh, were you... Uh, did you start out extract when you got into it? How did you even get into homebrewing? Yeah, I did uh, one batch of extract and everything else from there was all grain you had a mr beer kit didn't you no <laughs> no i had a bad experience with some dry malt <laughs> oh yeah what happened yeah, it was it was me it wasn't the dry malt but that, that i didn't know that at the time gotcha <laughs> it stick everywhere <laughs> and no, that it just was tough to get it ferment oh okay were you just kind of a beer drinking fan and 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 decided that you could brew it yourself or how'd you even get into it there now here's the funny part i didn't even drink Oh, is that right? No. Um, I'm a musician, and um, a friend of mine, uh, while we were at practice, handed me what I thought was a bottle of root beer. Okay. And um, it wasn't. It was homebrew. <laughs> and uh, the reason that I wasn't drinking is because um, I had a bad reaction to some of the beers earlier in my life, and it caused muscle tension. It was allergen-related. Okay. Stuff, and I thought, you know, wrongly, that it was alcohol in general. So I just sort of stopped drinking. But I see. Um I went ahead and drank that one, and it tasted good. And no reaction, so that was it. That's what got me started. Gotcha. And you're like, sweet, I can drink now if I just right? brew it. <laughs> yeah, but now it's all over with because they don't put the additives and preservatives and everything that they did in the, the beer at that time. So gotcha. now I've I've found it's uh, there's all kinds of things I can drink. <laughs> you can drink whatever you want. <laughs> it's, as you're telling that story, I, I got real sad for you. I was thinking, God, what a, what a dark period in Eric's life. <laughs> When he couldn't it really it. wasn't that bad of a thing because in <laughs> West Virginia at the time I was legal to drink at 18, 
and um, uh, because it was a 3-2 state, there was only uh, Michelob, Budweiser, and Pabst available, so it's not like I was missing out on anything. Okay. Yeah, you weren't missing out on anything. You're fact, in fact, I kind of wish I was allergic to it back then, so I wouldn't have had so much natural <laughs> light and Pabst. <laughs> that was a terrible thing. All right. And so uh, then you moved on to uh, you were doing all-grain brewing as a home brewer also? Yeah. Okay. I eventually built a Pico system, so um, yeah, I was doing one barrel batches on my back porch. Oh, gotcha. One barrel batch. Nice. One barrel. That's that's great. Wow. I want to do a one barrel batch. Party at Eric's. How much is uh is Thir- thirty thirty one gallons? Thirty one gallons. Yield. My my brew kettle is forty five gallons. <laughs> Holy smoke! <laughs> that's what, what you need, Jay. Yeah. What <laughs> I went of, from zero to a hundred real fast. What kind of burner did you have on your back porch to boil that much? I had natural gas, three natural gas jet burners, like those ones you see at the like takeout walk places. Yeah, you know really. that basically make you deaf if you're back in the kitchen, <laughs> like a jet taking off. That's great, man. Your neighbors <laughs> I are like caramelize any work. <laughs> <laughs> neighbors are going, "What the hell is he doing over there?" Just uh, making some pasta, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> John, you want to ask and answer that question from the chat room there? Yeah. What do you think is best to use, a false bottom, copper manifold, or a stainless steel hose braid? And I would say a false bottom because there's more surface area. Yeah. Uh, with The whole point to that process is to uh, get a clean work, well, you're gonna, right? You're going to draw from more areas of your grain bed, mm-hmm. you know, Versus a stainless steel hose braid, which might come from just one central area in your mash tun. Okay. So you're going to leave behind a lot more residual sugar from your grain. Okay. So the copper manifold. Um, What's that, a copper manifold? Someone basically solders together a copper manifold, um, and they drill holes in it, and it's inverted upside down, so the holes are upside down, and they're drawn through that. But you're not drawing from the whole area of your grain bed. You're drawing from those where, those holes where you, dr- you actually drill through. I see. So if you had that big igloo cooler we were talking about earlier, you'd have that filled up with a copper manifold in the bottom, I the see. square shape. Okay. So, hey Eric, uh, they want to know what uh, what's the name of that pale two row that you use? Um, it's not available to homebrewers, unfortunately. Oh, what's the name anyway? If you don't, it's mind. Cargill. Cargill. Mm-hmm. Okay. The only one you can get at the shop there is what Maris. Yes, John. Maris Otter. That's the English Pale. Yeah. Uh, Great Western Two Row and Durst German Pills. Great Western is the American Two Row. You guys yeah. have, mm. and we have Great Western American Pale too. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. All right, I think we're going to take a quick break, Eric. Uh, are you still with us? Can you hang yep. out for a minute? Yep. Okay, good. Because uh, I got some more questions for you, and uh, and fortunately, I, ha- I have to pee. So uh, I'm going to drink a little more of my uh, King Cobra. Yes. Take a quick break. Uh, the number here, uh, which isn't going to do you any good until uh, we, we're done chatting with Eric, is 888-401-BEER. If you got any follow-up questions to come in after we're done, uh, we'll probably be on air, on air for a few minutes after we get off with Eric. Uh, also, join us in the chat room because it's the best place and the easiest place to ask questions. Uh, Daniela is there to, to take them from you, and uh, you can do that. Right, Daniela? Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me like that? Because... Daniela's on her. Uh, Shut up. She's on her time of the month. Yeah. <laughs> I told you not to talk about it. Are you yelling at all the chat room users? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. We're with Eric Watson of Titletown Brewing Company from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And now back to three guys with absolutely nothing better to do: the Brewcasters. On the Brewing Network. 
What's wrong, Daniela? Why are you shaking your head at me? Because you're bad. They tell me to rip off your nuts. <laughs> Why? What did I do? <laughs> well, what the? Wow. Uh, you're you st- bad. Here, drink some of this King Cobra anything. here. They're calling you a stupid American. <laughs> you still with us, Eric? Yes, I am. All right, good, good. It's amazing. No technical difficulties today. I thought for sure I was going to hang up on Eric a good two or three times today. <laughs> yeah, I just jinxed myself, yeah, right? Did. The phone system's going to explode. How's right that now. compressor looking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're probably only broadcasting through the right channel. I ought to check that. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Ah, it still looks good. Good. <laughs> Everything's good. Eric Watson from Titletown Brewing Company is with us on the phone right now, and uh, they're out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. You can check them out at titletownbrewing.com, or uh, just click on our, on the link right from our page. You can find them that way, too. Um, I want to give you listeners in the chat room a heads up. Uh, we won't be doing it by phone today, but we will do it via chat room. We are going to play Stump the Brewer, so get your questions going. Uh, nice. Eric has been nice enough to uh, donate a T-shirt, so uh, the first person to stump Eric Watson gets a Titletown Brewing T-shirt. Probably won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, first question. <laughs> yeah. So uh, get your time. questions, and as soon as you send them in, uh, Daniela will pass them on. Man, that, I'll tell you what, that King Cobra really... Uh, I was buzzed there for a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I, what I mean is that, it's that, that, that gassy thing you yeah. guys were talking about earlier really backs up in your esophagus there. You know, highly, you, highly carbonated. I'm trying to speak over here, and I got nothing but... Uh, Gas? But backup. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, Daniela? I know what you're talking about. <laughs> She's so angry today. Look at her. She's <laughs> Eric, a lot of times what our listeners uh, like to get out of the commercial brewers, I don't know if it's possible to do on the fly. It's okay if not because you could possibly just send it to us. But uh, we love clone recipes, and uh, especially because we, we couldn't get your beer out here in California. Uh, do you think you'd be able to give us a clone recipe or one of your beers? that we could, could do something. Okay. Even if you just kind of uh, send it along and, and let us do it, uh, uh, you know, John can convert it um, so that we okay. can get uh, one of, just one of your clone recipes posted on the forum. That'd be cool. Uh, where can you find Titletown? Is it only right there in Wisconsin? That Right now it is, but in the uh, spring we're building a production brewery. It's a 5,800-barrel uh, facility for distribution purposes. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I was brought on as well. Oh, okay. Wow, you guys are really growing then. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're gonna have lot more of, than just potential. more than just you brewing at that point, I assume. Yes. Well, I I also have a staff here. You do? Okay. Yeah, we we do uh, 1,200 barrels a year, and when you consider we don't um, distribute externally, that's a lot of glasses. Yeah, no kidding, and that's just coming right out of the. That's right of, across the bar. Wow, that's a lot of beer. It's a lot of beer. You guys are a busy place. Yep. Now, it, it, are there a lot of microbrews like you guys right there, or, or? there are? Um, uh, six others in town, uh, five, or let me see, four, four of which are extract only, and there's one other, uh, um, all grain brewer. It's right across from me, actually. Wow. wow. Extract brewers. Yeah, why, do you know why that there's that many extract guys there? Is it just the equipment oh, it's or the what? Theme. It's just the theme that they wanted to put up. They, uh, you know, they're like, t- I think they're two barrel systems. Yeah, um, okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's just, the amount of space that they wanted to, to, to dedicate to it, but still have a, a craft brew theme. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, Pacific Coast did that, so. Maybe the Brewing Network will do that out of here. We should. Just have you do well, it, you know. Thanks. Old BN Brewery. That'd yeah. be cool. All right, I got to stump the brewer for you, Eric. You ready? All righty. All right, let me ask you this first, though. There's another question. Do you distribute at uh, Lambeau Field? 
No. Um, as uh, is with most um, large uh, fields like that, mm. they have distribution contracts, well, very long-term ones, because of large money donations, if you want to call them that, <laughs> right. from large brewers. And in this case, it's Miller. And gotcha. that's evidenced by the beautiful sign right on the side of it. Gotcha. Miller. And that's true throughout the country, like Coors Field, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course. Is it still called Lambeau Field, or is it called? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, it is? See, yeah, at least you beautiful. guys got that. At least it retains its name. Right. Oh, yeah, it's it's an awesome facility. Yeah, see, here, nothing's retained its name anymore. I mean, uh, Candlestick Park uh, is now 3Com, I think, and... I don't even know what. Everything. What money will do for you? Oh yeah, it's terrible. I hate that. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Capitalists. I don't have a problem necessarily with corporate sponsorship. I think the money is needed, right? But why would you change the name of a stadium? I mean, does that? What does that do for you? You know, the the Oakland Raiders Stadium. I think it's changed three times over the last three years. Yeah. It was. It was. I think now it's. Now it's McAfee Stadium. Before that, it was the it was the Network Associates Coliseum. Before that, it was Three Com. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ruins the history. You got to change that. Just the name. absolutely could not occur in Green Bay. That's I'll bet you that's if it ever came up, it was shot down before anybody else even heard about it. See, I like that. Yeah. There's that's, no way. It's kind of uproar that should here. happen. Yeah, exactly. If you have a historic, see, even in San Francisco, Candlestick that was a historical stadium for us. Be candlestick. Uh, but now it's they change it to to three com, and now I think it's even something else. I don't even think it's three com anymore. I wish we would have revolted about that, but uh, California's pretty corporate. Yeah. I'll do a quick plug, by the way. Danielle and I watched a documentary. It's it's pretty popular, so some of you might have heard of it. It's called The Corporation. It's really good. Take a look at it. It's it's done really well, and it's just kind of about the this thing we're talking about right here, the pervasiveness of corporations in America. Hmm. and uh, All over the world. It's all not over just the, the United Sorry. States. Yeah, you're, I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, not America at all. It, it is. It's the world. It's it's sort of this new global uh, government, basically, mm-hmm. our corporation. It's It's good. Good. I'll leave it to you. I won't say too much about it or, or state my opinions, but uh, check it out. It's worth watching. Nice. Talking to you, Eric. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so stump the brewer for you. Are you ready? All right. Okay. What country has the most beer brands? Most different beer brands. What Belgium. country? Okay. Not stumped. Wow. <laughs> Very he nice. Dialed. He knows. That's right. 800 uh, and some at this point. <gasps> 40, I think. Is wow. that what it is? Like wow. He even has the number. Really? 840 different brands? And Belgium is such a small country. It's like San Francisco. That's like wow. every other house that you, that's in Belgium <laughs> brews their own brand of beer. Some of those breweries are really small. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like the size of our studio, for example. <laughs> really small. Uh, all right, so you're going to have to send us another Stump the Brewer question. That's the only one I got. Are you writing more down now, Daniela? Okay, good. Um... John, what else you got as far as mashing? Anything that we didn't cover you want to make sure we get to? Uh, we could talk about, I don't know, how to calculate mash efficiency or type of grains. Um, I tell you, pH is is so key, it's almost as important as the temperatures. All right, talk to us about yeah. that. The yeah. goal for pH is, what, 5.1 five, to 5.5? Five, 5.2 five? Five, to 5.3. Five, 5.2 three. Five, to 5.3. Five, yeah. The reason is you want to ensure the best enzyme activity. Okay. And that way you'll result in good extraction, fermentability, improves your laddering, uh, increases your work quality, and prolongs your flavor and physical stability. Okay. Beer. And yeah. I do have, um, I've, what I did is because everybody I was always talking about alpha amylase and beta, beta amylase, I, uh, those are the obvious ones, but 
um, just to show you how important it is, there's uh, one's called lipase, and its optima is 5.16 to 5.5. Hmm. Lipoxygenase is 506 to 5.4. And um, this one I never get right. Carboxypeptidase, yeah, that's right. 5.2 to <laughs> wow. 4.86. So you can see why 5.2 to 5.3 is perfect. And what do you do to get your pH there? you got to be adding stuff, I assume. Yes. Um, I use phosphoric acid. Hmm. Okay. And what I do is I adjust the brewing water based upon the target that I want in the mash tun. So I'm typically coming. It depends. If there's dark grains, it's higher because of, that has an acidification effect. But um, I'm typically coming in at about 6.5 or so, and I, I pretty much always am like six three one six three right in the, or five three excuse me five three five three one for your dark and then you want the, the, another thing that a lot of people forget is you want to make your uh, sparge water the exact same pH of your boil hmm. so you want to be sparging it at five three as well hmm. that way it's virtually impossible to extract tannins now when are you when are you taking these measurements? Because all right, f- first of all, I'm I'm not mashing, but but here I'm ta- I'm I'm thinking about it, and, and in your case in particular, you've got a f- a short mash, 15 minutes. But let's say John's case, he's doing it in about 60. Uh, when are you checking your pH before you actually put that water in the mash, or once you've got it all in the mash? When are you adjusting? The answer to that is yes. Um, <laughs> what I do is I I preacidify my dough in water. To that value, you do okay. Five or it just depends if there's if there's dark grains involved, it's going to be a little higher, maybe six seven. Okay. And then I dough in at about halfway through just to check everything's going okay. I'm I'm checking the pH pretty much the whole time. All right. I've got a pH probe that sits in my mash tun. I can read it whenever I want. And you might Um, add right to your mash tun if you have to. If I I never have had to do that, and I really hate the concept of doing that because you have the what are you going to do if you go over? Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, the the answer is you add calcium carbonate. Well, what if you do that wrong? It, by then, you've screwed the mash up so bad that you know, it's pointless. Sure. So, um, I always try to do it so I don't have to adjust the mash. I never have had to. I think the highest I ever got was maybe five four. So, and which is still pretty damn good. Chat wants to know if the phosphoric acid changes the taste of the beer. No, we're talking a really small amount. I'm talking like 300 milliliters in 640 gallons of water. That's. that's I mean, you'd, that's you'd have no. It's tiny. I mean, now the real answer is I I answered it from the thought line that they're saying that the acid is a flavor perceptor. Yeah. That's uh, now on the, to add to the other side of that is it increases the flavor of beer dramatically. It's it's much better okay. by keeping it on that acid side. I got gotcha. you because of stability. Right, right, and work quality. Okay. How do you heat the water? This is also from the chat to get a good pH. Well, pH is not related to heat. That's what I thought too. I was kind of confused about the question. Now, what I do, and I'd treat. recommend anybody oh, to treat. do this, particularly oh, in a high carbonate area, slowly heat your water up over time. That way, you drop the. Uh, temporary hardness out, and then you can uh, siphon the water off top of that. Then you don't have you know as much uh, uh, hardness issues in your mash. What about John? Read that question and tell me what that word says. It says heat, doesn't it? It does say heat. How do you heat? Danielle, what I got to get you start typing things instead of writing them out. <laughs> Stop writing in in, in it, Deutsch. 
Shut up. Eric, <laughs> d- does your... You can uh, do it yourself, seriously. <laughs> little family feud here. Did, <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Uh, does your grain affect your pH at all? Oh, of course. Uh, That's why... What I'm, about base malts? Is it, I'm depending upon the grain to lower it the rest of the way for me. That's why I'm doing in at a higher pH, but I end up with a... By the time I mashed in, I end up with a, a targeted pH of about 5.3. So your water coming out of your faucet, what's that pH at? It varies. I'm right now. I'm reading between seven, like seven four and seven eight. And, and then you adjust your water at that point with phosphoric acid. Correct. And you lower that to six three six five. Six five to six seven. Okay. Here again, it's grain bill dependent. Okay. And then and then when you dough in, it, it drops a whole point on you. Yeah, yeah. It'll go right down to five three five three two right in that area. Oh. That's another reason that I don't need an acid rest because oh, right. the only point of an acid rest is for low calcium content and roasted grains not being part of the grist. Right. Um, but if you're adjusting your mash with acid, what do you need an acid rest for? True. I got another stumper for you. All right. You ready? A new hybrid of Hallertau hops are available from what southern hemisphere country? Oh, God, geography is not my strong suit either. Southern <laughs> hemisphere. Um probably the only country doing a new hybrid of Haller Tower anyway. Because the one in California is an old, or Oregon rather, is an older hybrid of it, so. Um, Southern Hemisphere. Um, I know that there was something going on in Australia. I'll tell you you're close then. It's uh, New Zealand. <laughs> Did I? Was that too much of a hint? <laughs> no, I was trying to think of the name of that research lab that I was reading about. It was in the um, um, ASBC journal, and I couldn't remember what the name of the research lab, and it's a joint project between uh, the agriculture in uh, Australia and New Zealand. So. Yeah. Well, we got another of... one, Zoom. <laughs> Danielle's all angry that you were able to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, That was close enough regardless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was good. Okay. Uh, okay. This. Uh, well, how's this question looking? Well, I'm just curious about the answer to this one, actually. I'd have to know. I'll ask it. Okay. Uh, who was the first American to brew a lager type of beer? <laughs> I told you that the, it doesn't do matter that? how many you get right. <laughs> I get you eventually. First American. I probably know it. I'm not grabbing it at this moment. All right, you got me. John Wagner in 1840. And no, I didn't more, know it. There's more information. <laughs> okay. He had a small brewer in the back of his house on St. John Street in Philadelphia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and he brought go. the first lager yeast to the United States from a brewery in Bavaria. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I bet he stole it. <laughs> you know, I um and what was the date? 1840. 1840. I would argue that is being completely true because the reason is is this the the California common yeast strain was mm. originally of a lager heritage and it dated back farther than that. Farther than that even. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, but, but it's from that's the li- it's a technical it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but let's say the question is from the listener who finished his cobra. <laughs> <laughs> that right? okay. he, hey, he gets he it no matter what. <laughs> I actually could remember that. 
You better send him an extra large, I think. <laughs> I, got yeah. a, I got a feeling. The fact that he thought up the question. <laughs> Is that Jaws in the chat room? Yeah. I, I think he wrote it down. Okay. Jaws in the chat room has just uh, stumped the brewer, uh, and you will receive a Titletown uh, Brewing t-shirt. Uh, Eric's going to send it to you himself. You just need to email me, justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Email me what size you want. Although I've got a good idea myself, uh, <laughs> go ahead and email me uh, the question that you asked, so I, I have some authenticity, and uh, I'll pass it on to Eric, and he'll send you a uh, Titletown Brewing T-shirt out of Green Bay. So that's cool. Hey, I have to put a footnote on that. No, he is right, and it's simply because they wouldn't have known it was a lager yeast when they brought it over for California Common. Yeah, well, that's so true. He's right. Good point. Completely. Nice work. Nice work, Jaws. Good question. I like it when they are really like good, you know. That was a good sometimes, that was a great question. sometimes we too. get just impossible yeah. out there questions, but that was impossible maybe, but not out there. With this in his belly, yeah, a quality question with a full king cobra in his <laughs> belly, exactly. <That's> a, <laughs> and it wasn't the same e strain either. Yeah, that's a that's a sound mind right there. Uh, I think my last question for you, unless John's got anything lined up, is: uh, uh, Have you been drinking tonight? And and if so, what were you drinking, Eric? I had about 10 ounces of Johnny Blood Red, which is our um, uh, Irish Red Amber Ale hybrid. And okay. that's been it. That's been my whole day's consumption. Not bad. Not bad. Do you, no, uh, I was waiting until we got done with this, and I'm going to go home and take care of that. <laughs> boy. Uh, do you keep beer on tap at your house? No, not presently. I don't. I have a beer engine that uh, I typically have a cask on, but um, being only here four months and i haven't even started my cascale production yet which will be starting in the middle of december gotcha um i haven't had the opportunity to demothball my engine so I that's gotcha. usually what i have on if i have anything okay very nice all right and uh and and you say also that you, you do brew at home meads and wines huh yes what kind of wines you like to brew yeah. um i'm partial to merlot's malbec um and i i do some uh like chile and chardonnay um what do you get? Right now, I have a uh, raspberry melomel going. Nice. How long have you been doing that? Wines, what, I mean, one? wines in general. Oh, um, about around ten years. Okay. Well, maybe a little less than that. Maybe eight years. You do it just for the ladies, don't you? You're a single guy. You can't just <laughs> offer a beer all the time. No, actually, I I don't let them have it. <laughs> I got to buy something cheap. <laughs> You're like, hey, there's a box of wine on the counter. You can have that. <laughs> Two bucks, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I told you guys about the time I got drunk on boxed wine. Soul fights, man. Yeah, worst worst hangover ever in my life. Yeah. I don't even know what I was thinking. You ever been to these places where they have wine on tap? What? Yeah. (laughs) Place I got my burrito from last night, which I like to do a good, you know, once a week or so. Uh, Used to be more than that. (laughs) They got three different wines on tap. They pour your glass of wine from a... I don't think it's in a keg. I think it's in a bag. Oh, my God. It's a bag of wine. They just put it right on the tap. Yeah, they're giant bag-in-the-boxes. Yeah. Um, The restaurant I was at in Indiana had them. It's bad news is what that is. Hey, the best uh, on-tap thing I ever ran into was when I was in Mexico. I went to a, a, a brew pub that made tequila. Oh, and they had it on tap. There should be a law against having a tap that opens a tequila company. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I was in trouble real fast, real fast. (laughs) Because it was was light, medium, and dark, and of course I had to sample it all, and it was happy hour, so it was two for one. Oh, yeah, you were done. Where in Mexico was that? That was below Cancun. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's bad news, is what that is. Uh, that that yeah, I decided that that that's just wrong. <laughs> that shouldn't be done. Yeah, true. Oh man! All right, hey Eric, I really appreciate you calling in. Uh, I, I I know I mentioned it to you earlier. I just wanted to remind you and the listeners, you're our first uh, full call-in interview, and uh, the first brewery we've had on the air uh, outside of uh, out of our region. And uh, we're happy to have you. I think you got a lot of good information to give out. I'm glad you had me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. If you ever need me again, give me a call. We will. We'll do so. And uh, even better than that, uh, you know, there might be a day where we just show up on Titletown's doorstep, and I and I expect a, at least a half a pint for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have your king cobra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just keep one in the fridge for me permanently. I can't get it here. We'll, I'll find the equivalent thereof. <laughs> That'll do. I won't know the difference. And if it's not peppery enough, just dump some in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, thanks again, Eric. I had a great time with you, yeah, and you. Uh, appreciate you on the show. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Cheers, All right. Uh, uh, that's Eric from Titletown Brewing. You can uh, find him at titletownbrewing.com or just uh, link right from our site. He'll be up there for another few days. And... Um, uh, hoping to taste that beer someday. Actually, I think it sounds like a yeah. like a real good brewery. Uh, next week, next. Send if anybody out. wants to uh, email me directly, I can uh, give you the email address if you want. Yeah, do it. Give it out on the air if you would. It's this is real hard for you guys to remember. Craft Brew Freak at yahoo.com. There you go. Perfect. Craft Brew Freak at yahoo.com. Are there any other questions in the chat? For no questions. The chat just wants to thank Eric for his nice words and for being an awesome guest tonight. Okay. Awesome. There you go. Hey, I really appreciate it again, Eric. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. I sure. will send you an email this week with the shirt you got to send out, and I'll be talking to you real soon. Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks. Bye. So there you go. Tattletown Brewing Company. Happy to have our first out-of-state yeah, guest. That was interesting to talk to a microphone the whole show and yeah. see anybody. Yeah. I know our sound quality isn't always great, but I think it came through uh, at least uh, the volume might not have always been perfect, but at least it wasn't. You know, we've had some worse calls where it's all distorted yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, the line is open now. You got another. We'll probably be on the air for another five minutes or so. So if you got any last uh, comments to add, 888-401-BEER. Happy to take your call. Nothing else to give away, so I'm not going to bribe you. To, to we, call us, you just have to call. Him, we so could yeah. definitely do a sequel on your own. Uh, Sharp guy with Eric, yeah, he's yeah. got a lot. To, I mean, uh, really knows a lot about the about the you know the, the science of brewing. Yeah. So, uh, tell side too. I, uh, not ashamed to say I got lost there a couple times yeah. just because uh, he Me knows too. what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, but good, you know, a couple of really key moments in the conversation that I liked there about the about the doing that giant mash tun. Yeah, it was great. You know, I yeah. like that for for a home style uh, mash tun. Uh, great idea there. Uh, the fifteen minute mash. Mm-hmm. Talking about what it is that's actually taking place in the mash. That converting starch to sugar. That mm-hmm. that that the longer the water's in contact with those things, the more you're going to get those off flavors mm-hmm. and tannins and whatnot. You know, that's good information to yeah. know that, that the less time you can spend doing it, the better your beer is going to be. Yeah. Uh, just good stuff. Yeah. Good archive to, the to, uh, to reference. I'll listen to it. So, ice wine. Just wanted to mention yeah. again real quick. This Canadian ice wine. I think it's Frozen only a, I think it's only a Canadian product, for one. Okay. And these guys, we went to a winery. Uh, we weren't lost, by the way, Daniela. I just... Wasn't sure which street to uh, turn on. <laughs> and he would not allow me to ask anybody anymore. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'll find it. <laughs> the male complex. I, I like, know. It's so bad. God, I was driving. I know? just pull over like, this, all right, I'll get you quiet. All right. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we go into this place to do some tasting. They start talking to us, you know, just about the ice wine because we wanted to try it. And and yeah, they they wait for it to be minus eight, right? And they do it in the middle of the night. And here's the thing: most wineries, even these Canadian wineries, they won't bother with doing the ice wine because the same grapes that you do ice wine with, you can do a great cabernet with. Okay, but a cabernet is easy to do. You're not risking uh, wasting all these grapes. But the ice wine, when you go out and it's minus eight Celsius. If the temperature changes or you don't get it all done in one night, like for example, like you gotta pick it and press it all in one night. If you don't get that done while it remains at that minus eight temperature, mm-hmm. you're wasting an entire crop of, of wow. good Cabernet grapes. No wonder it's $70 a bottle. That's right. That's why they, they up the price. And, and that's why a lot of brewery, or wineries rather don't do it. But this particular one did do it, and man, it, and we and we realized why it it's good. No. I mean it's real good. You don't like I said, you don't drink a glass of it. You have a little like a port glass of well, it. Well, not only are they monitoring like the bricks level, they're monitoring now temperature. Yeah. Exactly. Mother Nature. Yeah. I mean, that's good luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's so expensive too. Yeah. Because it's a very risky thing to do, but it tastes so good. It's it tastes like syrup even. It's so thick yeah, and it's, it's really it's excellent. And the, and the different flavors that you get out of it, it's crazy. You wouldn't expect you can get this out of a grape. Yeah. I'm talking honey, like a lot of honey flavors. And what else? Some cinnamon and just things that you go, how does this come out of a grape? What color is it? Uh, the particular one that we got looks a lot like a, like a white zin, actually. Mm. Like a so real, they, they like crush a it color. and press it that night. Yeah. That night. That night. Gotta Everything that has night. happened that night. In fact, there's the, like no skin contact really. Then. That's right. The vintner. Had his pager on him because mm-hmm. he was waiting for that night. He said he was thinking that it was going to get to minus eight and that he might get the call that night. Wow. So they're all like on call. All the field hands, everybody, if that call comes through, they get out, they pick it and they press it all in one night. Wow. You know, it's, uh, it's cool. It's just, yeah. it's a cool thing. So, uh, we, you know, we spent a little bit of money on that to, mm-hmm. to bring one home just cause, well, for one, it was good. Yeah. And, uh, you can't get that here. We thought it'd be mm-hmm. great. Come on. Imagine ice wine in California. <laughs> Not happen. <laughs> what you, you know, I could freeze a bottle right Cold now box, and it's yeah. about as close as we get. <laughs> so, uh, good show. All right. Why don't we wrap it up? Uh, as I'm doing the wrap up, let me give a heads up right now to anybody. If you got your kids listening, the song I'm going to play at the end, I, people, uh, they want me to change the uh, the outro. Okay. Good. They, not everybody wants the uh, the homebrew song anymore. I think we'll bring it back intermittently, but uh, as the official outro, we're going to change it up a little bit. People have been asking for it, and I got a new song to play. I've been asked by a couple of our listeners to play it, and I'm going to play it because I think it's funny and it's good. But I'm going to give a disclaimer that uh, it's not for all ears. So if you got any kids in the room, uh, put your headphones on or send the kids to bed or Whatever you gotta do. There's a couple moments in there that <laughs> you don't, you don't want them to hear. So I don't mind playing that kind of stuff. I just want y'all to know about it. Uh, so that's gonna be our outro, uh, is that particular song. So you got another 45 seconds or so to get the kids out of the room. Uh, next week, the godfather of homebrewing. Charlie Papazian. That's right. Charlie Papazian. Um, we're gonna try very active in the AHA. He is. Which AHA. we're gonna talk to him about. Yeah. Um, and because there's a lot of questions out there about why you should join, and we're going to let Charlie answer that. And he's got a new book out, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention his other books, which people just live by mm-hmm. as brewers. And uh, he also sent us some of his homebrew, yeah. which I've got in the fridge. I didn't leave it on the porch for a week, uh, which is a good thing. And you're not going to drink it, right? 
And I'm uh, gonna try my best not to drink. <laughs> he sent us a he sent us a fair amount, and we're gonna try those beers, uh, which I, I I think is, is I'm pretty excited about to try Charlie Papazian's homebrew. Yeah. I mean, if there's anybody's homebrew to try, that's it right there. Yeah. So uh, happy about that. We got that going on next week, and Doc's back with us next week. I believe that Morgan from EJ Fair is going to join us because he's a big fan of Charlie, considers him kind of his mentor, mm-hmm. and uh, wants to be here for that conversation. So uh, next week's a good show. On top of all that, we're announcing our new lineup for January yeah. next week. So all will be revealed on next week's show. If you're mm. curious about what we got going, all you got to do is tune in next Sunday at 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll be telling you everything. It's good, huh? Uh-huh. Good stuff. Make it happen. Uh, am I going to have to fight with you for the rest of the night, Daniela? Oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm leaving now. <laughs> you better. What's you for pissed dinner? me off, too. What's for dinner? What did he do? Just his presence. <laughs> Just look at him. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week with Charlie Papazian. Thanks to Eric Watson from Titletown Brewing Company, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Great guest. Hope to have him back again. And thanks to all the chatters for hanging out and sending your questions in. It's the Brewing Network. We'll see you next week. Titties and beer. Titties and beer. Titties and beer. Titties and beer. God Almighty for titties and bears. Big titties and bears. I'm two-legged deer. Titties and bears. Thank God I ain't queer. Titties and bears. There's one thing Daddy likes, and that's titties and bears. Big old titties. My little titties and bears.